0: Hey, it's the Badass Records Podcast, a podcast about people and music. New episodes drop Thursdays. Uh, you can find your audio where you stream or visit the YouTube channel. Speaking of YouTube, uh, you can keep up to tabs with the pod over on YouTube or on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, the site is badassrecordspodcast.com. While you're there, please make sure to check out the merch store. Get yourself a coffee mug, a sticker, a hoodie, who knows? Um... Appreciate you stopping by. If you want to be on an episode in person with me here in KC, hit me up at Badass Records Podcast at gmail.com. It's Badass Records Podcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. okay episode 77 i think badass records podcast patrick spray yeah like a spray can like spray can um hanging out how are you thank you for
1: being here great blair we've i think we've already talked an hour we are we do we
0: we lost a whole episode just bullshit i'm gonna bring the (laughs)
1: cot i guess we're rolling live. right we
0: are we are um so thank you for being here we uh wound up messaging on instagram and uh kind of Throughout out the idea of you doing one of these and then we got serious about it and we have a list and dates and all this stuff and finally it's like where do you have? and you're like dude i could walk to your house in 10 minutes i jogged by here today <laughs> Did
1: you realize- I'm seriously five minutes away nice it's awesome my cousin's right in between us too that's
0: great i was um uh calling on uh flying horse when they yeah. were when they were uh still kind of working in the liquor store yeah and it was not even you know they hadn't even dug up that first piece of asphalt yet uh got to know one of the brothers pretty well the other one i don't think i could ever pin down but i I feel like i saw you uh say or post something somewhere it's like one of your faves one of your yeah i
1: just posted something i think his name is chill phil he's a steel drum player yes that's what happened to be jamming outdoors So they have a little space in the back. Okay. I actually reached out the other day, again, about, you know, guys, if you're interested in live music, I think your neighbors would appreciate it if you brought it to a boy like the eight. The problem is just sunny back there. Oh. But we're in in conversations. Okay. And as I mentioned before, too, I just feel like there is absolutely no live music or anything even music-related where we live over here. Like, I don't want to call exactly Brookside, but the 63rd Corridor, and I would extend that up to like 75th, like Waldo. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned again before, I grew up going to record stores in middle school, high school, and college with yeah. my close friend and business partner, Jim Andrews. And I think about young kids today, they don't have that experience. Your, your first concert shouldn't necessarily be, no offense to Taylor Swift, but whatever. That's, uh, this 80, city,
0: I feel like the city was vibing oh, for a awesome. whole week. Yeah, trust me. Like,
1: I, I knew nothing about her until all my I'm, nieces and nephews informed me.
0: I am... So my oldest is sprinting to age thirteen. Okay, just can't she can't grow up fast enough. Grade. She's going, going, to, going seven. to seven, and i oh, yeah. I just want to like rewind, you know. Simmer. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've happily uh, dipped my toes in the water, whatever is she's into at the mm-hmm. time, and and I love Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. and and so I decided I I'm, I need a candidate. I want to do a little miniseries. I've, I've done a couple. Uh, like I did, i had a guy come back for a second episode, and we did the whole Tom Waits discography. Oh wow! I had somebody after uh, March third when uh, praise the lawyers of the world when the Day Law soul discography. Oh yeah, finally. Yeah. So I, I had a dude come, and we did um all of the Tribe and all of the Day Law records in one episode. What episode is that? Um, I'm sixty-one. Gonna, okay, note um, to, note
1: to sell. I think I saw that image, but I didn't research that one.
0: And then I'm doing right now uh, a series with a fella, and we're tackling all of the Wu Tang, like oh. which is eighty record because all the side. Yeah. So we've anyway. I want to start another one called, becoming a Swifty. Oh, for sure. And I've so I've so far I started at the first record. I've made it through. 1989 i i i knew lover because it was like very much on my radar Mm -hmm. when it came out and you need to calm down it was a banger is Mm -hmm. a banger and and anyway so i'm not quite through the discography but i'd love to sit down uh as a novice and have an expert in the chair and talk probably your daughter well no not that no not that deep
1: no she's like
0: she has said since before episode one that she wants to do an episode and i was like you got to pick a record Yeah. And you got to go listen to it. Yeah. And it was going to be Olivia Rodrigo's record for a little while. And then it was going to be a Casey Musgrave, but she never, you know, she's yeah. Would rather TikTok and. Well,
1: at least let her sit in when you have the resident expert. Here, oh, man. for
0: sure. For sure. But anyway, no, no disrespect to Taylor Swift. You were saying,
1: I was just trying to say that I think that, and let me know if my volume's not good or my face is messed up. Um, I don't know that that should necessarily be someone's first concert experience. Uh, And you'll never top it. But having access to live music, whether it's a singer-songwriter on a guitar, a keyboardist, a vocalist to, you know, I mean, I'm sure that that, those would be, that would be an interesting podcast too. I'm sure out there somewhere like, what was your first concert? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What was your entryway into live music? Everything from arena shows to somebody in my church. Yeah. And we just don't really... And we don't talk about this in the music industry. We just don't really have that many live music venues. I mean, traditional venues, ticketed venues in Kansas City. We have a lot of ancillary businesses like a pizza place or a coffee shop where we can have somebody or even a record store. But having something in our neighborhood uh, where people could come on, say, a Tuesday or Thursday night, happy hour at 530, maybe no alcohol, not encouraging people to drink. And where we're done with the show by eight, and people can actually get home and then have a functional day the next day. Yeah. Um, and for musicians, even you know that could be their first gig of the night. They could still hit something right? later on. Yeah. You know, assuming the venues were yeah. cool with that. Right. That was oh. like a radius clause or whatever. But hopefully,
0: yeah, that's very cool. So, um, so uh, you are uh, owner or partner in Center Cut Records. I want to. I want to. Here's. What I'd like to talk just. Briefly about it, and then I want to do a little bit of Patrick's Ray bio. I okay. Want to, I want to hit your list, and then I want to get back to Center Cut a little bit more. Okay. If that... Understood. So...
1: I've tried to follow your formats.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little rubber, but I think no, sometimes... Yeah.
1: We did the same thing with when we had our Center Cuts podcast. We like, tried to structure it a certain way. I just think it lets your audience get familiar exactly with that. also trying to have it same day of the which week. is
0: still uh, uh available on spotify it's available 30, 38 i think you guys yeah got...
1: we we made a so M- michelle bacon was gracious enough to let us jedi mind tricker and working <laughs> with us and so we kind of had an arrangement where i would do three episodes with our i'm going to call him our producer um chris Maury, okay who's booking shows and managing down at the ship nice previously at record bar lemonade park um, and then every fourth episode, Michelle would bring someone in to talk about a woman's, or let's just put it this way, a non-dude's perspective on yeah. the music industry. Yeah, and it was awesome. And
0: I wish my ratio was that good. I've yeah. so many dudes and so few ladies. Yeah, I'll, but it's okay. N-
1: not to get off track already, but I'm sure I will. Mark Mark Manning, um, who's got an unbelievable radio show on Wednesdays called um, Wednesday Midday Medley on K- ninety point one KKFI. Okay. He's very intentional, Blair, about bringing in guests. I mean, he plays all kinds of music, a lot of Kansas City, and he calls it mid-coastal music. Nice. So Lawrence as well. Um, He's very intentional in trying to represent guests that, whether it's gender, race, I mean, age, genre, whatever, I feel like Center Cut's mission... Really was to represent. We had three goals I mentioned was to represent the Kansas City artists on a national, even an international level, regardless of genre. You cool. know, it could be hip hop, it yeah. could be country, it could be speed metal for all we care. It had to be excellent. And so, kind of the same thing with the podcast. I think being intentional as much as possible. And you know, schedules don't always allow for that. You get three white dudes in a row. That's yeah. Just the way
2: no dominoes <laughs> fall. Or not. <nine>, right. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. So, you do the best you can. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm a I'm a lifelong educator. I studied at the University of Kansas, got nice. my Rock bachelor's top. in education. Yeah, grew up here in Kansas City, went to Rockhurst High School. Okay, and that's where I met my business partner Jim Andrews. Right. Um, what year
0: well, did you get out of Rockhurst?
1: I'm old. I graduated in '86. Or we're old. Jim's older than me. Okay. Okay. By about three weeks, which I like to let him know. Um, anyway, and I'll come back to like kind of how we started listening to music. But anyway. Um, I had taught forever, I joined the Peace Corps, I served in Kazakhstan right at the fall of the Soviet Union, I moved to um, Raleigh, North Carolina, taught at a community college teaching refugees and immigrants, English as a second language, Um, taught in an international baccalaureate magnet middle school, sixth grade for a couple years, then I moved to Oakland, taught at a language school in Berkeley, California for a few years, met a young lady who's Korean, She'd actually been living in Japan for several years before coming to the States to study for a year. We met towards the end of her year. She went back to Japan. I followed her about a year later. We had a child, got married, and just decided Tokyo was no place to raise a kid. And so I said, Kansas City's not Berkeley. It's not the Bay Area, but we could probably buy a house there someday. I bet I can find a job. And so we moved back here in 2005. I fell into an awesome teaching position at Academy Lafayette. It's a French immersion school, charter school. I taught middle school English for 13 years there. Loved it. I love literature. We were just talking about creative arts. I love writing. I love grammar. I'm that guy. Gary, um, Gary
0: Snyder of the Beat yeah, is, is always he, – he is the – I have a pull – to japan like i've done very little travel in yeah. my days but like yeah i still like that mm-hmm. mm, man i not
1: awesome experience. rural
0: not tokyo i yeah. mean i would like to check it out but i think going awesome to japan experience. would be
1: people are just in generally kind and polite they were in kazakhstan too for that matter um probably the safest place i will ever live like there is no threat of violence at any point you can walk down whatever street in the busiest or most rural places at four o'clock in the morning No problems at all. It's a whole other story. Yeah, Um, And grateful for our time there. But So we moved back here. And then about 2017, my old high school friend, Jim Andrews, Mm -hmm. um, who is part owner of Andrews McMeal Universal, um, approached me about maybe making a career change. And I said at that time, I love teaching. I love crazy teenagers. Um, They give me a lot of energy. I really feel the importance of that impact if you can just influence one child even just one decision or putting a peer at the end of their sentence i feel fulfilled regardless of the pay um, but i said if i could do one more thing i'd like to have a music center a place where we could have like a library like i'm looking in your room books about music you know like research opportunities musical instruments for sale repair uh, lessons uh, high-end listening room karaoke no, no coffee, alcohol. That was my business model. And I, I still want to make it happen, Blair. As I mentioned, I'm looking at properties here along 63rd and, in Waldo. It's like, Oh, it's a great idea, Pat. And we'll do it someday, but let's start a record label first. Why? Like, what? Why? Well, that's, that should have, that should have been my first question. Okay. My question was, what does that even mean? Sure. And I don't even know if we had the answer at that time. Jim and I met and really kind of started hanging out when we could drive. So, you know, like sophomore year in high school. Uh-huh. And, um, we, our other friends were like being healthy and playing in team sports. Um, we would go to, as you mentioned, Peaches, yep. 75th and Metcalf, Exile, probably my favorite record store ever, right across the street where I still have a couple Elvis Costello t-shirts and bootleg cassettes. Um, of course, Penny Lane, the Trifecta Street Side, Music Exchange yeah. um, in Westport. And we would literally spend hours going through vinyl. CDs hadn't. i I didn't get into cds until college sure probably 87 88 but cassettes were certainly around um but vinyl mainly and cassettes and we would just like get these stashes these collections of stuff like dude where'd you get that i'll trade you this one i found we'd like promotional copies loved i maybe more than jim love reading liner notes yeah i need to know who played on what cut i need to know where that studio was i want to read the lyrics i want to see the pictures i want to see the ephemera like concert bills all Dude, that cool uh, shit. And,
0: and and i mean not quite so much with the used but definitely with the brand new there was a smell oh, about yeah. that paper with that liner oh man someone
1: was just actually talking about that the other day oh i like had a cassettes like the different smell of the different products man i remember like the cd's they used to have that yeah. I still have a couple like the the, the handle thing. you just walk out of there like in your arm. Yeah. Um and so that's how we, you know, started be, becoming close friends. So at we no at music. no point
0: did you ever ask why?
1: Um I pro- well, <laughs> let's go one more step back. And so uh, Jim and I went our separate ways in college, but uh-huh. we kept in touch. We'd see each other holidays and of course summer break. And then um, after college, he was kind of in and out of Kansas City, but we saw each other. And then when I went to Kazakhstan, you know, he would send me like mixed tapes over there with a couple of my other really close friends. I mean, like lifesavers. Like, seriously, say, you couldn't, it would take like two months to get a package over there. People would rifle through your stuff, you know, because they, they needed money. And so I was so grateful when I'd get what people in this, in Kazakhstan. Oh, or Soviet Union. Okay. And yeah. It, at that point, it was really, sorry to say, almost like a third world country. Sure. Like they went from communism to capitalism in about a year and that was not a good transition
0: rooting through your packages that
1: would eventually oh, yeah, make their my way food, taking clothes yeah okay. nicest people ever sure sure S- cannot be more thankful to the people who supported me over there yeah saved my life and a life-changing experience i, I encourage anyone to do one of two things a serve your country in some manner whether it's military the peace corps americorps volunteer you only got one shot to make yeah. a difference in the world. And two, it's live abroad. Right. Don't, don't go travel for a week to Europe. or If you can, actually go live in another culture. It just teaches you so much empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all just the same. Yeah. And at that time, you know, the Soviet Union was like the evil empire. Mm-hmm. And we were the capitalist pigs. Which so, we still are. <laughs> we still are, for sure. But it, it like, made me kind of step in their shoes. Capital C, was, capital P. Yeah, literally. And see, like, their first question is, why do we all have guns? You know, like... I don't know. Never really thought about that. I don't have a gun, right? But yeah, I do know a lot of people. Yeah. So so you we you kept s- in touch.
0: You served over there and were in the Peace Corps over there. Yes, yeah, served was two- in the
1: Peace Corps for two, so volunteered for two years. Okay, it's usually a two year agreement. But
0: n- you were not in the armed forces. No. Oh, okay.
1: No, okay. I just think that people in in a lot of countries, um, it's just what you do. You know, for a year, yeah. year and a half, two years. Like
0: two. I have uh, a group of ten. <clears throat> high school it was 10 whatever were mostly still very much connected and two of them uh, both went to Africa one was in uh, Senegal yeah and the other was in uh, it's escaping me but they I mean he, he did five years yeah uh, and actually uh, killed a guy uh, oh wow total accident oh wow uh, driving uh, some whatever Toyota forerunner he had and uh, I think and a bicyclist was right and and cut oh, in front of, yeah and like it, it for a minute like you know the they wanted him out and wow. like it was wild but he's wow. installing um uh fisheries fish fish yeah, that's huge um, it's, it's
1: agriculture education in yep. the case of the former soviet union at that time it was business so bringing in experts like in banking or yeah so we could impose capitalism on them yeah there's um, that and I know several people that served in Senegal as well. But anyway, Jim and I kept in touch. I, like I said, had moved away to all those different places. And when we came back here in 2005, you know, reconnected. And so it had been in his mind. And so that summer of 2017, when he proposed it, uh, I just started doing some due diligence. I was a school teacher at the time. I'm sorry, summer of... Sorry. 2017? 2017. 2017. okay. Yeah, so six so years ago.
0: So n- now we're, like, the wheels are turning for this record label Yeah, I was idea. like, okay, I'll
1: give it a shot. Okay. I wasn't teaching summer that year, and I just started doing some due diligence, like, are there other record labels in Kansas City? Uh I At that time, Blair, I probably was going to about a 100 concerts a year. Wow. But mainly national acts. I saw mm-hmm. a lot, and maybe that's an exaggeration, maybe it was 80. I certainly went to a lot of shows. That's a t- a still a ton. Of yeah. Yeah actually um, and but I've seen plenty of Kansas City artists so I kind of knew some that I would maybe potentially like to be interested in releasing their music started to talk to some venue owners we had a couple of really key um, supporters one is Brenton Cook okay, who I'd love for you to talk to as well yeah. he's owner of um, Haymaker Records Nice. he kind of special Haymaker kind of specializes I think of sort of like off the beaten path types of music. I'm sure at one point they've talked about like psych or I don't want to pigeonhole him either, so I'd rather have him explain it, but um, he sat down with us and gave us some like demographics, a little bit of like this is where I get my CDs pressed or records pressed. This is kind of what it would cost you for initial runs, some food for thought. Um, we were actually very interested in one of the artists that he was working with, Schwervon, I don't know if you know that band, mm-hmm. S-C-H-W-E-R-V-O-N, exclamation point. We had a meeting with them too about potentially like releasing a split, something, and then um, Jim Andrews, my business partner, was spending a lot of time and still does at the record store Records with Merit. Another couple of people you might want oh, to talk
0: to. Oh, absolutely! Um, I've, been, I've been into uh, uh, that Records with Merit and, and Mills and, mm-hmm. and, and and made. I didn't really have you know sort of a lid. Yeah, on what the purchase is going to look like. Yeah, but I left out of there, both places with way less money than
1: I, yes, and so I've like I got I got a knot I got a knot,
0: yes. but I need to get back in and just yes. say, I, say I, hello.
1: I've been known to drop a little bit of coin in both those establishments and pretty much every record store in Kansas City. Yeah, today they all have their unique. They're like children. They mm. have their unique personality. They have their unique unique way of doing things. I love them all quirks. They've all been super supportive, but Marion. and Ann Stewart in particular, really took the time to kind of shepherd us in. We had a couple meetings with Marion. She gave us some names of some artists we should consider pursuing. um, And then introduced us to a couple of other very influential people. One was, we mentioned Steve Tulipana, Mm -hmm. um, co-owner of Record Bar and Mini Bar with Sean Stewart. And also... um, I don't know his exact title with Lemonade Park, but created that with Wes Gardner out of from Voltaire, mm. the, the live mm-hmm. music venue in the mm-hmm. pandemic. And Steve um, talked with us. Actually, met us with um, Don Simon, who's uh, he does a lot of different law, but kind of was helping us how to like structure a, a contract, cool. or an agreement because necessary. They, yeah, they yeah he just never thought about these things because they were also kind of starting a record label, a limited mm-hmm. one, and then last but and definitely not least Marion introduces to Mark Manning um, who I mentioned has the show at KKFI mm-hmm. every Wednesday mm-hmm. Wednesday midday medley from 10 to 12 had a couple lunches with Mark and and Mark's just a a beautiful human being I mean his his radio program as I mentioned really is intentional about including as many voices as possible cool. concerning music and other topics too and he kept mentioning this artist Calvin Arsenia mm. who Marion had mentioned who Steve Tulipana had mentioned and talking to more people, several people mentioned like, well, if everybody's telling me, I should go check this guy out. And so we had a lunch, like the second time we met Mark one day on a Thursday. He's like, oh yeah, Calvin's playing at some church on Sunday and I can't go, but you might want to go check him out. And I'm like, okay, Sunday night, six o'clock. I can do that. I go to this place. I come to find out now it's a a repurposed church, Peregrine Honick, She's an amazing artist here in Kansas city, visual, like painting, Mm -hmm. sketching. Um, converted this space into like her studio slash performance space. And so I have no idea what to expect. I'll admit I'd had a cocktail or two and maybe some other <laughs> thing to make me feel happy going. I, I'm pretty sure. Quarter I shrooms. Actually yeah. what, no, well, no. I'm joking. No, not, I'm joking. Not that league. Yeah. Um you can't figure uh, out how to
0: make your door work, man. I,
1: I, <laughs> well, and that's it. I don't know anybody there. There's a stair, like a rickety staircase to go up in. I did recognize one person there my name's on the list they tell me to take my shoes off like, that's cool I take my shoes off my house and i walk in and there's this artist with his back to me oh my like, god spot now and he's tall which i can tell even seated and he's the most incredible music he's playing a harp which oh, i knew wow. they had told me he played a harp okay I'm like what the hell is this there are people like are lying around and like Gar- I don't know. Garments? Inter- yes. Garments. Interesting garments. Drapes. <laughs> Practically, they have these little whatever craft cocktail there. It's a really informal space. And they're all seated. So I go stand behind them. And I'm telling you, Blair, for like the next 30 minutes, uh-uh. I'm completely mesmerized. And again, I've seen a lot of shows at this point. 30? Maybe 45. Wow. Um, and you said zero words? I just, 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 just took it I, in? I, I, I'm just in shock. Like, yeah. what is this? He's playing originals. He's also playing um, songs I just have such a personal connection to, like George Gershwin's Summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, who originally wrote Nature Boy? Nat King Cole made that popular. George Benson did it too. I don't know. The Wes Montgomery does an awesome version of that. And he does this song that I don't recognize at that time. I thought it was like a Beyonce song. It turns out it's Toxic. Mm. I, I didn't know that Britney Spears song oh, at that that's, time. Oh, that one's annoying. Oh, my God. His version. I mean, I've got hair on the back of my neck, which I never happened. I, I bet.
0: I bet. But I mean, you know, Oops, I Did It Again, all these other, And then she came out with that. And I was like, this is like grating. Yeah. It's like
1: too fast-paced and high p- oh, Anyway, I'm sure. So he, he then gets up from the harp. He's got a guitar for a couple songs. He's got a banjo. And then he walks behind me. And I realized at that point, oh, yeah. There were three musicians behind me. There was a guy at the piano, there was a percussionist, and I guess there was a vocalist, not a musician. But I'd forgotten about
0: that. this. Is just like a hang. Yeah, like they're on, this far away from me. on a Tuesday,
1: Sunday night. What, oh, right, and oh, I'm probably oh, really this extending is,
0: the story. This is the six o'clock. So yes. Oh, so it's now. It's so like it six is 30. an night, You didn't just walk into people. No, that's what and they, they put were like, doing. like.
1: Maybe 50, 60 people there. Oh, cool. One hundred. Wow. He goes and sits at the piano equally as skilled there, plays a couple songs, and then when he goes back, now the percussionist and the pianist and the other vocalists join him for like another half an hour for the set. I am just blown away. Jeez. I go up to him after the show. Again, I'm shy, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, hey Calvin, pleasure to meet you. My name's Patrick Spray. I'm a school teacher and I'm thinking about starting a record label. Would could I talk to you sometime? I think you're, you know, great. He's like, sure. When do you want to do it? I'm like, Next week, he's like, looks at his phone. How about Tuesday? <laughs> okay, so I, I walk out of there. I buy a couple CDs. I'm total fanboy. I talk to the person who designed the CD cover, Chris Dong. His amazing graphic designer, just beautiful human being. I'm like, I, I get in my car. I had a, I had a flip phone at that time. Oh wow, um, I'm very anti social media uh, pre record label. I mean, I still am. I have to do it. I. My students are Mr. Spray. You need a smartphone for Christ's sake. You know, I'm like, no, I don't. You need to be on Facebook. No, I don't. I don't need you to see what I'm doing when I'm not yeah. wearing a tie. Yeah. So I text my Jim a
0: tie every day at Lafayette. Every day. Every does all. Yeah, if they're your... gonna
1: wear that stupid. U- no, no. Everybody else was casual. If they're gonna wear that stupid uniform, I'm gonna look sharp for them. So okay, that's kind of my attitude. Maybe I better, like it. They gotta I like tuck it. their shirts in. I better not look like I just sure. walked off the beach. Yeah, but like some of my colleagues, that's <laughs> <laughs> each their own. Yeah, they can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, so I get in the car, and I text Jim, and I'm like, and I wish I still had my flip phone. I'm like, Jim, if we're ever going to start this label, that's the chosen one. I see Jim the next day. I take him one of the copies of the CD, and then Jim tells a story. He's driving down the road, and his car puts the CD in, and he basically is <laughs> so entranced, he practically drives his car off the road. Wow. He forgets he's driving. It's meant to be, man. <laughs> so... Long story short now, to put it all in the context, we were talking about a record label. We were making some in due diligence. A couple people, influential, important, respected people, told us we should check out this artist. And when we heard Calvin, we're like, we got to do this now. You both were entranced in your own ways. we got to do it now. Him, studio, and you live. Because he, Calvin was going to go over to Europe that summer, and we were kind of worried, like, what if another label, you know... Scoops him. The question was, why is nobody working with yeah. him, actually? Yeah. And I can talk about that later, not because of Calvin, but because of like the way record labels in general work in Kansas City, which is they're not for profit, at least in my experience, which includes us. <laughs> they're maybe not even intentionally being for profit. It's more about love of art, love of artists, wanting to preserve that artifact and get that music out there, which I totally respect. Yeah. But it wasn't our business plan. We wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we got a business license. July of 2017, we made Calvin a one-page agreement because we wanted to keep it short and sweet, which we've been told. Thankfully, Calvin said, I'm not ready to do this right now. He went off to Europe. I knew I wasn't going to do the label full-time because I was teaching. Yeah. I wanted to teach my son, who was in eighth grade. So, taught that fall, and then we reached out. We kept talking with Calvin, and like February of 2018, we reached a formal agreement with him to put out a record record hopefully a second record, hopefully a third. We didn't want to lock any of our artists into like, you got to put out five yeah. records and we're going to sit on them forever. It was more like... You become a line in their wiki. They, they Yeah. Trying to
0: get out of that center cut records exactly. deal. And no, everybody hated no, each other. Like,
1: let's put one out. Let's agree how we're going to promote it for a year. Yeah. At the end of that time, let's sit down and have a conversation. If you don't want to do it, if you don't feel comfortable, or if we don't, well, we can respectfully both walk sure. away. No hard feelings. Sure. Um, so we agreed to Calvin in February. We were in LA three weeks later recording what actually was his second album, LA Sessions. Uh, Jim had made some connections with Tony Bronigel, Grammy Award winning producers, worked with Taj Mahal, Eric Moon, mm. and the Animals, Daniel Nicole, right here in Kansas mm. City, phenomenal artist. Um, he brought in session players, Mike Finnegan, absolutely legendary Hammond B3 player who unfortunately passed oh, damn. Was it two years ago now. I'm going to the Stiefel Theater tomorrow night to go see. Uh, Jeff Tweedy and I'm looking oh forward boy. to seeing the Mike Finnegan Theater. Like Mike worked with Bonnie Raitt, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Like, Is that how do you
0: pronounce her last name?
1: Bonnie Raitt? Yeah, I believe so. Is it rate?
0: That's the only way I've ever heard it and Maybe said I'm it. I'm screwing it up. I
1: always tell my English my students in English like you just pronounce it the way you've always been told until someone corrects you yeah. that actually knows it. They, they may not know what they're talking right. about, so be right. careful. I said Raitt. Maybe it's rate. I thought it was rate, but I don't know. I, her I don't dad know. Dad was okay. Anyway. Um, Paul Brown, who's got like, I don't even know, 30 smooth jazz top 10, if not number one hits, still currently amazing guitarist. Freddie Washington, incredible bassist. He does the bass line on that uh, song that Will Smith sampled for Men in Black. Mm. Patrice Russian, Forget Me Nuts. Mm-hmm. You'd know the bass line. Okay. Point is, David Garfield. I mean, these guys were just crack musicians. We recorded over two days. Um, that is so
0: fast three weeks and then we, two days we just jumped right in Wow! I mean, I've
1: never missed a day of really teaching in my life I took a <laughs> week amazing. off I felt so guilty but wow. we had to do it Yeah. Or Jim told me we had to do it Right. and then when we came back from LA and in LA we're meeting with PR people out there um, we met with some incredibly powerful people about like how do you promote a record of course all the college radio which we did a campaign for um, we came back and Calvin said he loved the process but actually he wanted to put something out first involved his kansas city artist community we're like all right that one's in the pocket can dig go ahead yeah and so um he started to continue working i got started on the album cantaloupe which we put out in the fall of 2018 we had a huge album release show at the gem theater calvin probably had about 20
0: gem gem yeah right
1: across the american jazz museum down 18th, 18th and Vine. Vine. Okay, yeah, cool. Unfortunately, it's a little underused theater, oh. uh, but it's a beautiful space. Holds about 500 people. And Calvin had this vision to bring people into the jazz district because I'll be frank, not a lot of folks. Again, south of a certain neighborhood yeah. or west of us, yeah. they're, they're not going there yeah. for horrible stereotypes. And, yeah. and so he brought in um, freaking tango dancers, violinists in the aisles. I mean, it was like a the most incredible spectacle of a production I've ever seen in my life. At the end of the show, he had a... Uh, wasn't the Cobras. was It the Pythons. A drum line come in, and they basically marched the crowd of 450 people out onto the street. They did a loop around the block. I was inside cleaning, unfortunately, selling merch still. Did a loop around the block, and then they went to the Mutual Musicians Foundation. Mm. Which is they, still still there, alive and breathing, right? Did, yeah, did a lot of great people. love them. And then they had like a second party like mm. an after party there mm. so that's how that got started and i'll just give you a recap of the last three years in about um, two minutes we put out another album with calvin which was the first one la sessions the fall of 2019 we were talking to other artists we wanted to intentionally start with just one artist where we could give them all of our time yeah be a phone call a text a meeting away again not some dude in a suit yeah in an office that's not returning your calls um tr- our goal was to get calvin out on the road Spread, and I think that's the issue for Kansas City artists. You've got to get out of your home base. You have to get into other markets, or you're never really going to grow your audience. Right. And um, it was a little challenging not having connections. We didn't know venues in Colorado, or Illinois, or New York. We we got some shows on the coast, which was great. In retrospect, I wish we had focused on the Midwest a little bit more and done mm. some like eight-hour loops, like mm-hmm. Chicago and back, and mm-hmm. Dallas and back, or Denver and back, and places in between. But we started actively, I mean, I was probably meeting, and still these days, two or three artists a week, doing what we're doing right now, just kind of feeling them out like, tell me about yourself. Like, why do you want to make music? What are your goals with music? I think there are three different strands artists will fall in there on that question. Mm -hmm. But I identified a couple other people that we felt really strong about. One was Fritz Hutchison, amazing singer and songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. He had recorded some things previously and kind of, I wouldn't even say self-released, like burned some CDs, and Jim and I thought it was gold. We're like, dude, why have more people not heard this record? And so we're like, let's package this right. Let's put it in a, again, we love liner notes. Like, let's get some, some beautiful pictures on here. Let's let people see your lyrics. Let's get you on college radio. Let's get you some press. Same thing for Calvin, right? And so we put out Fritz's record March 27th of 2020. Okay two weeks into the yeah. shutdown <laughs> because Blair, we already had like PR campaigns lined up. You know, we had thousands of dollars and months invested in these things. So we're like, well, and we didn't know how long it was going to last either. Right. Like we just got to keep this promotional train going. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, April 1st of 2020. So now we know we're in the pandemic. We agreed to work with our third artist, the black creatures. Okay. Okay. R&B, hip-hop, neo soul, some electronic, um, Jade, Green, Xavier, just to, I have to say it's about all the artists we formerly worked with. All beautiful human beings. Cool. Incredible integrity. One would hope that only only beautiful
0: human beings are are a part of a project that you're passionate about.
1: Yeah, and I don't don't want to say that closed the deal, but we just genuinely felt like we care for them. Yeah. We want them to do well, which I think all record labels in kansas city do like i said i don't know if their motive is money but they feel a connection to those artists whose music they're releasing even if it's just released you know digitally um and so we agreed to put out a record that they'd already released oh but again more formally okay Uh, um there are ways to do that like taking things down but long story short we dropped that album august of 2020 um and the issue with the pandemic and thank god i hope you've been safe this whole time and healthy yeah was live music just ceased to exist. Yeah. A couple, and, and as a school teacher, my first you know, priority for all my students is to keep them safe. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with my artists, our, our artists. I'm not gonna put you in a situation where I'm afraid you're gonna contract, something that's gonna kill you. Right. So we weren't like, ah, oh, you gotta go play shows and sell these records. And by the way, I think I should mention, we make physical CDs, we're believers in physical products, we make vinyl records, also what? t-shirts. Where? uh the company again brenton cook from haymaker turned us on to a company uh, Copycats records in in uh minneapolis so
0: you love them submit an order for a a print of
1: i'm learning how to do all this on 50
0: 110 Uh,
1: uh, in general we did a thousand run of records for each project we did a 1500 for one of calvin's and then we do about a thousand run for cds and
0: they're how they're stored where
1: uh, multiple places. Okay. Jim's office has the bulk.
0: Okay. I've I mean, kept. Also, if any of this is like, uh, uh, oh no, you know, no. just say so.
1: We were fortunate and able. Um, again, Jim has some good connections, and actually, Marion Merritt from Records of merit helped us get distribution. Oh. So, so if
0: somebody places an order, it's not you guys.
1: Like, oh shit, I got it. Well, you know, it's both. It's both. It's okay. Both. Fascinating. So if someone goes to our website. And orders from there, I fulfill those okay. personally from okay. my home. If somebody goes to Amazon or a record store, our distribution company fulfills those. Cool. And of course, they take a cut. Of course. And there's shipping costs. Uh-huh. So ideally, you'd want to sell them yourself. Right. Even better yet, have your artists sell them at their shows. Right. But that then assumes there are shows to sell them at. Yeah. the pandemic. There is that. So with the Black Creatures, so Fritz had no album release. There was no place to play. Um, And he wasn't comfortable playing out that summer 2020 just fine. Jade and Xavier, the Black Creatures, they had two shows at the new Lemonade Park. Mm. They were capped at 100 people each night. Sold them both out. The first night they were with Kadesh Flow. Nice. The second night they were with Calvin. They were phenomenal. We sold a bunch of records those two nights, and then we had no more shows. (laughs) I did one other thing at the ship. The ship was doing some shows out in the alley. Uh, So they basically, it was sort of a, a D, uh, not a DIY. I mean, they those two places kept music alive in Kansas City in the summer of 2020. So oh. basically, the ship flipped kind of like the smoking deck out there into the stage facing the alley. And then people would stand in the alley or bring lawn chairs or sit on the loading dock. And they had kind of a makeshift bar out there to sell drinks and did that for the rest of the summer of 2020. And even into 2021, I believe it was all still in the alley. And then they opened up their new room. Maybe that was towards the end. Of, I don't know exactly when that happened. But my point is, we had about two shows to sell the Black Creatures records and CDs and T-shirts. And we had about one and a half shows to sell Fritz's. No pressure. So now we roll into 2021. This took more than two minutes. Sorry. No, it's all good. And um, and I can just be frank here, too. Fritz was eager to go back in the studio and record. which we That was the plan, right? Let's put out one record let's promote it for a year and then let's put out a second record and let's promote it for a let's put out a third. But we had no chance to sell those records literally sitting in my living room. Yeah. And I'm like, can we maybe do some shows here the next year and sell this beautiful thing that we created and put a lot of time and frankly money into? And Fritz was eager to go back and record. So like, if that's what you want to do, then go with God. <laughs> we can't finance that right now. Ooh, okay. Uh, because... You, I don't want to tell you how much, yeah, <laughs> we were into it. Yeah, and specifically Jim. Yeah. Uh. So 2021, we pushed the Black Creatures record hard. It was voted uh, named album of the year by Nick Saban at the Pitch. Cool, huge honor. Mark Manning had recognized it the previous year on his program as his, I believe, second favorite album. But that was great. We got a lot of press. Some paid for, but also some just generated. Um, I think in 2021, we had about 40 shows with them between May and, let's say, October. And we sold records. Wow. We sold t-shirts. Hey, how about that? And it was like, okay, this could work. This is again
0: inventory that's been sitting on your shelves
1: yeah. for
0: a handful, half but a again, year. But
1: again, a lot of venues are still not open. A yeah. lot of venues are, it's still now today, Blair, a tenth full. I mean, it's people act like things are back to normal. I would not say that at all, for certain shows, perhaps, and and very esteemed venues. Every place from the Midland to mm-hmm. I've been in places where it's a quarter full. Mm. National acts, huge acts. Like you're like they could not have made money tonight. No, and I, I'm not. I'm not calling out the Midland. I freaking love them. Yeah. Um. So. The Black Creatures were ready to put out a second record, so they went back into the studio and recorded. And Locally? We, yeah. Okay. All, I should say that. All of our artists are from Kansas City. Our goal is no, to... No, no, no,
0: but like, you went yeah. to L.A. for the L.A. side. So That's mean, the
1: only one we went away for.
0: But you've recorded everything else here.
1: Yeah, partially in some studios, whether it was Massive Sound Studios um, with Chad Mize over in Merriam, Kansas. Also went to high school with him. Phenomenal engineer hell of a guy we have several other projects he's helped us out with and that we're also considering did he tell you
0: did he tell you what his nickname was in high school no moon dog moon dog moon dog from what he had a big fro and wore tie-dye shirts and blue jeans every day
1: of the week oh he's still got a i mean he's got a i mean i just chopped my ponytail less than a year okay okay he's got a nice he's got a healthy head of hair at his age too nice and his his father I haven't told you about the second prong of the label in detail the second prong is to re-release albums that are out of print we're calling it Buried Treasure that's, that's right. our focus for 2023 I love it okay. or put out things that were never released I can say this on air but Chad passed us something right before the pandemic that his dad had recorded recently that hasn't come out and we would love to put out that record mm. it's I think Greg Mize is just he's a freaking legend oh my
0: god wait a second wait a second that's his dad
1: Hammond B3 player Okay. Phenomenal. And uh, Chad has hours of him playing live, like okay, a
0: ship. I mean, uh, I my first eight years back in Kansas City, I was chefing at McCoy's. Oh. Uh, and was he the house every Thursday night residency? Every yeah. Thursday night, and it was, you know. It was Prime Rib Night for us. So yeah. every Thursday, I'm making Prime Rib and Bakers and whatever. Yeah. And he's coming in. He had a female vocalist with him, and it was more or less the same
1: set list yeah. every week. But he, yeah.
0: he was... Yeah, he was fantastic.
1: I didn't know that was his dad. Yeah. Wow. Was he playing piano or Hammond? Was it organ? Or- yeah, it was Did he play
0: both? It was an organ. Well... Because they would have to pack in and pack out for the get, you know. It's a heavy
1: piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, And I have it on my phone here. I... Again, we're talking back during the pandemic, 2020, I sat down with Greg in Chad's studio in Miriam, and Paul Malinowski also, I don't think Cone, I don't know their range, but produces some incredible music there. Wow. My Dylan records, they're both super talented, Um, but I got these interviews with Greg where he's telling me about back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, playing out seven nights a week, working musician. So that's that's a kind of a dream project that we've really made a lot of progress Sweet. on. So we've done some recording there or artists have. we, so, we, we so, basically just so. ask our artists, where, where do you want to record? Do you want to record at right. home? Like the Black Creatures, right. they basically do things laptop-based in different spaces. Do you want to go to a local studio? Like Fritz had done some recording at Element Records. Okay. Another great engineer, Joel Nanos, he just moved his studio over to the West Side. There's a great article in the pitch about two weeks ago. Um, there's not
0: still print copies of the pictures. it's all yeah they're physical copies okay oh yeah
1: okay oh yeah which is and they and again they have been the pitch has been so good to our artists I think Calvin has now been voted best musician in Kansas City five years running dang 18, 19, 20 21, 22 so the new um, the Black Creatures were voted best uh, local album last year cool best, that's well, awesome I mean We've had incredible accolades. Calvin's been in bill, Billboard.
0: So the three are uh, put out n- new or record, record and release uh, projects for local folk, local people. Mm-hmm. Put out like re-release stuff and put out stuff that were, was never released. Buried treasure. It's, that's the second prong. Oh, well, that's the second prong.
1: Third prong is we just want to build the music industry in Kansas City, and a lot of what I've talked about here is the music community which I would say Kansas City's music community is second to none. Okay. People here are so generous of their time. So you can have so a community
0: it, without an industry.
1: I don't think they're the same thing.
0: No no I know, but I mean like uh, you would think if you did have both they would thrive, they would feed off each other or no. I
1: think there's overlap. I think there's some interconnectedness. To me, the music industry means more things like business-wise. We have management um opportunities here for artists to work with managers who can take those artists to another level i think a lot of a lot of artists say they need managers and i believe them i think it's mainly for administrative tasks that are tedious and not desirable by anybody and and they want that off their plate yeah and i get it trying to trying to do some of those things when you're trying to create music and practice and rehearse do the show lug your stuff to and i get it but to me, that's not what a manager should be. A manager should be someone who is going to, of course, be someone you trust, but someone who's going to open doors for you or take you to opportunities and or make sure that all the stuff you signed in that agreement with the venue, whomever is being met. And they're there as like the intermediary in case something goes wrong because the artist doesn't have to deal with that. Right. Um, agents, booking agencies, promotion companies. We have some. Don't get me wrong. We have some. Uh, press. It's a major issue here in Kansas City. Uh, no offense to the Kansas City Star, but they basically have no local music coverage probably since Tim Finn left, who I think is one of the finest writers ever. Uh, 2018 was that? We met with Tim about that time when we started. Maybe 2019? There's nothing in there. Um, you've got places like The Pitch, who we love. Nick Spacek's awesome. Brock Wilbur's great new owner. Stephanie <laughs> Carey was great. Um, super supportive. You've got somebody, again, like KKFI community radio. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned Mark Manning, mm-hmm. Diane Annis. I mean, Wednesday's my favorite day. Um, you've got the bridge. We were talking off air about a couple people. Michelle Bacon worked with us on the podcast. I mean, she does such beautiful writing for that paper. It's really the only writing besides Nick's out there. I would include uh and, and I can't I can't forget um, Chris Agarian at the Bridge, mm. who's got a show every Tuesday, the 8160, it's actually on tonight from six to seven covering a ton of Kansas City artists, and it's not writing, but I know he writes that stuff down, so he's a talented writer too, sure. it's just not necessarily in print. Right. Um, I mean, the whole staff at the bridge, Sarah Bradshaw, Brian Truda, Skylar Rochelle, they're phenomenal. They're not a huge corporate radio station. Their reach is not going to be what the stations that I don't listen to are. And who even right. listens to the radio these days, anyhow, that's another that, question. That,
0: that dude we were talking about, right? Kersey uh, is right once is Bob Seeger's greatest hits. Yeah. The same. anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, running against the wind. Uh, uh. you've got Falia Fani with iHeart Local Music, and Lauren's doing great things. She's an awesome writer, a hell of a photographer as well. Um, but again, the reach just isn't there mm. necessarily. We need some smaller venues, uh, 100, 150 cap places where you're paying five ten i mean people balk at paying five dollars at a place for three bands for four hours you're like what how do you think they're even going to pay the door person like conversations about these things but i guess what i'm talking about like like guidelines like how how do you teach an artist and i'm so green i always say i I feel like i'm a first year school teacher all the time like my learning curve is just like this i'm constantly learning things because i ask a lot of questions probably which is annoying to some people no it's great Yeah, I'm just saying that's just trained stuff. Annoying
0: is when you lose, you no longer have the desire to learn. That's like an annoying... Well, yeah, I'm a lifelong learner, so if
1: I'm stupid, I have no problem being (laughs) told that or admitting it. Just tell me how I don't look stupid anymore. But um, like, like the concept of an album release, like what does that look like? I mean, I cannot tell you how many times in the last week, month, five years, artists I've seen spend a bunch of time, artistic process... Care attention to create one song or an EP or record of just sheer magnificence, and they're so eager to release that baby into the world. And I don't know this because I'm not an artist. That they decide that tomorrow they're going to just drop it because I just had to get it out, or because it's fall, or I've been sitting on this for so long. I just say, "Screw it."
0: Perfect. All of which are perfect. uh, I get reasons.
1: Reasons, right? No one's going to hear your record. I know. No one's. No, you got to have a, a party. And t- you need a hundred parties a tour you need a, You need so and that's another misnomer and oh greet. I had an album release show and then you didn't promote it for six months that's why those CDs are still sitting in your living room yeah. you, you have to have a way to keep that going and again I'm green and the record industry is changing and rules about promotional strategies and timelines change too and some people like Taylor can break all those rules because they've got billions of people watching them but I'll just wrap it up here to that last point to those artists who are saying, man, I just got to get this record out. Oh, I can't wait until I have enough shows lined up or some press lined up. When we started and formally really in th- in practice in 2018, I was told and read in numerous publications there were 40,000 songs a day being uploaded to Spotify. I mean, you and I can put a song on Spotify right now if we want to. Sure. Doesn't mean it's any good. No. So that's another thing. Like, just because you put your song on Spotify doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. And that's another thing we need in Kansas City or critics like not everybody can be amazing or awesome or fantastic or the best like these superlatives just get thrown around and i'm like it's not that good no i like you yeah. you're a good person i bet yeah. you work hard but that records that song's weak
0: so signing folks buried treasure music music industry, industry. i yeah. love it
1: brilliant last point on that though so forty thousand songs a day were released yeah 2018. yeah so that's 1.2 million a month okay 1.2 million a month In 2022, they said it's a million songs a day. Wow. So 30 million songs a month. And so what I say to artists is you could have the best song structure. You could have the most incredible instrumentation ever. You could have compelling, thoughtful lyrics or silly lyrics like the B-52s. You could do all these great things. But if you don't promote that, no one's going to hear it. Yeah. It's released into the ether. Yeah. That
0: was the whole... uh... You know, near the end of my uh, graduate program, re- re- creative writing program at K- UMKC, it was like, okay, so like you've got an idea of what it takes uh, to write down the bones. and And now you've got a good set of editing skills. Mm-hmm. like and one of our our one of my uh, key workshop professors uh, always said one thing about uh, the Midwest. Yeah, the people in New York have an edge because they're in New York, mm-hmm. but nobody's ever going to outwork you. Yeah, as, as a you know grown Midwesterner, the mm-hmm. work ethic that's in there. Um, but you know, like if you are lucky enough to see your novel through. To mm-hmm. print, whether it's a, you do it yourself or you hire somebody, uh, and you know wh- whatever. Now there's now your book's uh, on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, or you have a, b- a box of five hundred in your living room. Uh, you got to get on the road, yeah, and you got to do signings, yeah. and you got to do readings, and you got to like like it essentially live out of your car uh, until you almost hate, you know, and then come home. And now it's time to start the new tributary yeah. of whatever this body is that is yeah. in support. I mean, you don't just write your book and...
1: Uh, yeah. I wonder why it's not selling. I mean, you got it. I to, hear you. So And Jim would totally agree in the publishing world. Actually, yeah. Andrews McNeil published Calvin's book of poetry. Oh, cool. Not just poetry. Where did drawing. they
0: go from 45, 45 minutes? Did they go down to River Market?
1: No, it's like 14th and Walnut okay. or something. Uh, it's a beautiful building, the Bowley Building. But
0: it was a significant downsize in space, right?
1: I don't... I never went in the old space when we were in high school the two i know i well, don't know I do you know the it. building oh yeah i mean it's oh, yeah. ginor it was half uh, oh, for sure.
0: investment firm and half for sure andrews mcmill and, and it, for sure they, they had to lose a lot of folks mm. and i think you know find a place that was maybe more affordable to mm. live in as an opera as a but Possibly. anyway um Possibly.
1: but to your point there the hard working aspect i get and i've never doubted our artists and in general, most of the artists that I'm speaking with, their work ethic. But just because you, it's like my wife, she's again living in Japan. Just because you're working eighty or ninety hours a week, it doesn't mean you're productive, and it also doesn't mean you're efficient.
0: It means you're tired. That's for sure. Right.
1: So let's let's prioritize. Like, what is the most important thing to you? You've got sixteen different. All of our artists are so diverse. They could they could. Make music in multiple different genres, which is kind of a great thing, but it's also a, a curse because then you know how to market it. But anyway, you get involved in all these different concepts and projects. It's like, would you maybe just pick one mm. and let's like really get behind it
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the Black Creatures did last year when, with the second record we released, they did like 80 shows, Blair, in about six months. Dang. And for the first time ever, I saw, we broke even on the costs of, hey. of producing the recording cost, the manufacturing of CDs, of the T-shirts. We didn't pay for press for that one. It basically was all in-house. And we made money. Hey, how about that? But I also know how much work that was yeah. and how much time it took me in addition to the artists. And it's a grind, man. It's not for everybody. It's a hard life. Like, being out on the road, it's a hard life. It's like a minor league baseball It's player. like
0: the scene in um, True Romance yeah. where Christopher Walken... Uh, comes to sit with um, uh, Who is that? It's uh, I forgot about that movie. Jesus. Anyway, uh, and he offers him a Chesterfield and he says no. And finally, he pops him in the mouth and he says, that's as good as it's gonna get. I can tell you, it won't get that good again. Or yeah. so, Something along those lines. Yeah. Like, yeah. you come home from your whatever tour, support of all of the, and yeah. spent and yeah. exhausted and it's yeah. like, Let's come on man. You yeah. just you broke even and, and saw a little shred of profit yeah. like Yeah. Right get back right back in there, man. Yeah. You know.
1: If it's full time.
0: So uh, would that take an hour? Yeah, so, who, who's who, <laughs> no nobody's keeping track. Um, but Center Cut Records uh, has a, a healthy link tree on instagram i mean it's a whole bunch of things right
1: and i got i haven't updated it in Um, a minute but
0: what are uh so you can definitely find center cut on instagram you guys have a dot com as well right
1: yeah and again i just talked to our web developer i have not really updated that or maintained it okay um calvin as i mentioned fritz fritz is doing his own things actually working with manor records another great kansas city label you should certainly talk to those folks um, their model's a little bit different they re- recently became a nonprofit, so we're not formally promoting his although we'd still love to sell the records sure. and CDs yeah. and t-shirts mm-hmm. and want <laughs> to see him do as well as possible and make a career making music Yeah, um, Calvin, not exactly the same situation but Calvin is actually going to release his first record since 2019 I think this summer it's technically up on his website okay. he had an album release show about two weeks ago Um, so again, we're not really necessarily promoting it. We're still selling his records and CDs. Um, and then the black creatures, Jaden Xavier, after, like I said, 80 shows last year in about six months, they've been on a hiatus probably since October. And what we kind of talked with them about is, you know, if, and when you're ready to jump back in, let's keep having conversations because we freaking love you and we're so proud of you. Um, but our focus this year is more on. Let's get back. Let's get back to this idea of this buried treasure, right? Kind of almost like a legacy blair. Jim and I are not getting any younger. Yeah. There's some projects we feel really strongly about. Let's get those out and try to promote them. If we make money, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, and then let's focus on more music industry stuff, which is trying to promote things through socials. Um, yeah, we're, I haven't really been active on that website at all. I feel pretty bad. Well, and but not really booking. Shows. The reason
0: I ask though is because me personally, I think that those three prongs or whatever you I, I, beautiful, magnificent. I love it. Mm. I'm uh, so, so happy that uh, somebody here in the area is has that kind of thinking and that kind of passion. Mm. Um, you know, even if I would have come up with uh, that sort of business model myself, I don't even know if I would have ever taken the first half step yeah. to, you know, so I'm very glad. And there, so I asked because if anybody's listening to this or watching it and thinks it's cool as well, like, and you're, you guys are, are growing as a, as a thing and mm-hmm. trying to make, so how can they keep up? Yeah. Like where's the, is it Instagram? Is that the spot? Is it your com? or?
1: Yeah. Probably just following us on socials. Okay. I try okay. to post four to five days a week. And nice. And that's another issue with artists well social media I hear oh social media is not my thing and I'm like well then your thing is not going to have anybody hear your music I know I'm sorry to tell you that I had no Facebook or Instagram five years ago I don't post personally it's all for the label so cool on Mondays good for you man yeah on Mondays probably well,
0: better I, We have a probably a better operating system of being a human being than than those of us that are you know just doom scrolling
1: like I can't that. do it it's do I still have time for it which impacts our reach because I'm not on there all day sure I will have to say I mean having jim's resources available i think is something that's not afforded to many other people and we've been able to put some of those resources into some of these projects behind our artists um i don't know exactly how you make money without having maybe that seed money to begin with yeah. or resources yeah. and connections yeah um so, yeah, Mondays, I always try to do, like, a show spotlight. Like, what's a show I think someone should go to. Um, so, like, last week it was making movies, playing at Knuckleheads, I Yeah, mentioned. yeah. We do a little series at this church, Second Presbyterian down here at 50... It's right by Axwa. was at 55th and Brookside mm-hmm. Boulevard on Wednesday nights. Okay. We're doing a poetry reading uh, tomorrow night with a Glenn North, uh, just an incredible human being. I think the finest poet, one of the finest poets in Kansas City. But then the following week we'll have an artist... Um, Trevor Turla, amazing trombonist, plays with Kadesh. Two weeks later, is jazz, amazing R&B soul artist. A couple weeks later, Kirstie Lynn, who's like Americana folk. So I try to again have some diversity and who cool. present there. Yeah, um, I thought
0: I thought it was fascinating. I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times on here when Kadesh was on. You know, we are talking about this whole thing of uh, uh, gigging, uh, you know, practicing, rehearsing, recording, writing. Um, all the things that go into tra- traveling, um, late nights, making you know, content all, for all...
1: socials ahead of he, time.
0: That was the point. He's he, a pro. Well, he's the, when he was here, he was like, I just recently have had to teach myself to recalibrate a little bit to add. Um, I've, I've just I've got to make time, you know, for my digital stuff, my yeah. my socials, my webs, whatever it is. I've got to have a little bit a little spot somewhere in the week and i gotta hit it consistently and then and then i can tend to all the other things so i I love you know recognizing uh i got the conversation i gotta make a change uh, it can just be two millimeters you know a shift and uh and then maybe you're uh itching a scratch you couldn't reach before
1: i think ryan kadesh i still call him by his birth name i guess and then um again like jaden xavier and the black creatures Not only do they get it, I think most artists get it, Blair. They get that they need to be active on socials. They just don't do it. Yeah. It's not like you're dumb. No. But Ryan and Jaden Xavier, not only do they get it, they did it. And so I see it. Like Ryan's figured out I can make money off of YouTube if I'm active, if I'm putting up content there. Sorry to call it content. I I hate to use that word, but that is the industry term. Yeah. As long as I'm putting up consistent quality content. I'm going to grow numbers. And I see the same thing with the label socials. Again, we're not crushing it, but by posting every Monday about a show, today's uh, I do release roundup. So Terry Quinn has a brilliant new EP out. It's freaking phenomenal. It's so good. She's so talented. So I want to tell people about this. She's not working with the label. I don't care if she's working with us formally. I like her record. Nice. Make a little post, but that. tag it, hashtag, if that gets her two new listeners, great. Wednesday, I try to do something about the industry. Like I'd like to do about badass sure and then Thursday I do like a throwback Thursday nice Uh, because I have so much crap in my phone that needs to go and then I end up just posting pretty much every day at that point like because I went to a show yeah like I'll post something i filmed from Tweety I'm sure on Friday
0: so uh born and raised here uh siblings
1: yep uh and my mother just passed about three months ago okay my father passed about a year ago dang So my sister, who's in Orlando, has been coming back. My mom had Alzheimer's for 20 years. But anyway, she's in Florida. i got another brother, much younger, in Raleigh. And then my youngest brother is here. We're not communicating regularly. Sure. Uh, But as I mentioned, my mom's twin sister, who also passed away last Thanksgiving. Dang. daughter lives right between us here. Okay. And so that's kind of like my our closest family here sure are so close her son's a year younger sure. than my son i've got family on my dad's side here too so
0: do you yeah. know how mom and dad met
1: i'll send you their obituaries man i wrote freaking novels for those too. did you yeah, really? i'm a writer i like to write sure, cool and i want to tell you about an opportunity after this about creative yep. writing for you in the music industry okay um they met in college nice yeah they met at rockers college okay and um He knew he was going to get drafted, so he signed up for the military, Mm. served in Vietnam. Mm. I was actually born in Italy, and then he got called to active duty. Wow. He served, came back to Kansas City when I was like a year and a half old, Uh, or I think two, sorry, two years old, two and a half years old, and then uh, they lived here the whole time. Oh, actually, sorry, they moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, right before I joined the Peace Corps, and that's why when I got out of Kazakhstan, I moved to Raleigh for several years, Mm. loved it out there. Um, but yeah.
0: Okay. So were they music folks? Were they putting on stuff when you guys were growing up or
1: it's, and it's funny because my mother, no, but what happens with Alzheimer's I see in many people, um, cause she was in a residence for almost a decade is your personality changes. Mm. Some people get very angry, confused, frustrated, sad. That's all very understandable. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on with me others like my mom become very childlike and kind of Mm -hmm. lose their inhibitions Mm -hmm. and so my mother who was not even i wouldn't say complaining about my father's constant music playing suddenly started singing songs like frank sinatra songs oh wow like bebop a lula would ask me to dance i'm like where have you been my (laughs) my father on the other hand huge music fan grew up in a they're both catholic families so singing in the church the way he described it back in the 50s in oklahoma you'd have like a hoot nanny. so your neighbor would have an acoustic guitar come to your porch i'd show up with a pot and a stick or something and we just sing like folk songs you'd like to learn everyone learn how to play guitar nice sit around singing peter paul and mary or okay whatever. rock and roll started to happen yeah chuck berry jerry lee lewis sure uh ray charles so my dad grew up at that time of course to me uh 60s and 70s he was a student at rockers college when the beatles did their show at municipal okay you know that famous story yeah. when the tour had ended and the owner of the a's kansas city athletics at the time yeah. charles finley said i'll pay you guys a million bucks if you come do a 30 minute set here and they said okay so their last show was at Municipal. We,
0: we like a million bucks. <laughs> we'll take it.
1: And, that, and whatever year that was, that would have been like 60, Se- no, 64, i guess. Okay. I think okay. he was 20. And he was basically hired with some of the Rockers students to be security at the shows to basically keep young ladies from jumping over the railings to storm the field to get close to the Beatles. Wow. So he experienced that. Wow. Uh, when he was in Vietnam, uh, what do they call it, like the RX? px like where you'd go buy your supplies
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. He,
1: you could get cheap things well he got some stereo equipment there he got a couple things he got this console that looked like a like a buffet table on the sides were the speakers and then you flipped open the top it's wooden and there you had a turntable and then you had a storage unit for probably i don't know 50 records
0: that sounds very handsome
1: oh so cool so cool so very 60s so when he got out of Vietnam, he had that shipped to Kansas City, along with a pair of these like killer like sand. I'm not an I'm not a audiophile. I'm not into like. I hear you. I'll op- yeah. listen off a of car radio, whatever. Yeah. My phone's fine. Yeah. Some killer like Sansui speakers, and so one of my young. I have a couple of young memories. One was probably like six or seven. In my stocking for Christmas, I got the 45 of a. Dom McLean's American Pie. Oh, gosh. Which is like, what, a seven-minute song?
0: I think it's closer to nine. Yeah. yeah. So
1: half the song's on side A. Oh, my gosh. And then right in the middle of like the break, it's it's going on the... So you got to flip that thing and... Helter Skelter. I forget yeah. where it picks up. So in I remember that. Well, yeah. And then the other memory I have later in life, so I'm like 13, 14, and we had moved to a different house. I remember sitting in the living, like the empty family room on the floor in front of that console and just like one at a time, I'd pull out like the mamas and papas record where they're all sitting in the bathtub, like California dreaming. And I mean, I'm in California in my mind. I'm like 19, I was born in 68, but I'm like 1967 flower child with Phillips and Cass Elliot. Like (laughs) I want to hang out with you too. Several Beatles. What do you want to be when
0: you grow up in that (laughs) time? John Phillips. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Martin Denny, uh, not Martin Denny, Denny Phillips. um, they had original pressings of the Beatles records. He loved like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Amer- America was on my first. Ooh, uh, a lot of the records I first I picked for the show were, for, were debut records. Sure. Especially self-titled ones. America, yeah. America is a killer yeah. record. I mean, it's so good. But I, I do remember second side's not as good. No, Side that's is okay, though. Stellar. Like
0: there, There will never be another riff written, written like that little... That's your highway.
1: Jim and I saw them at Voodoo Lounge about five years ago and he kind of scoffed at it it's probably one of our favorite shows oh my gosh freaking i love them their voices are one guy's past right just amazing so yeah he influenced me he he had a massive cassette collection again when that started to transition i still have all the old cases he carried him so there was always music in the car never had eight tracks
0: really Um, no okay
1: no he didn't do that
0: um where is this console now
1: on to man, the it, it the speakers it were detached. Okay. He, he actually pulled the turntable out of there and built like your table a little mount okay. for okay. it, okay. And he wasn't handy, but
0: his tapes and whatnot. I have live
1: probably on? about that's why I picked the Bob James. That's mm. totally my dad's influence. Mm. That was one of the first concerts I ever saw. It was Bob James and um, Earl Clue, okay, the used to guitarist, kind of West Montgomery, Grant Green, vein a little bit mm. more commercialized. I hate to say that because I think he's a very adventurous guitarist, too. But I saw them. Was it the fall? I have the concert stub. I think it was the Uptown, probably at age 13. Wow. But he had all. So I have all the Bob James cassettes from my dad. Earl Clue. He was really into like Weather Report. Mm. Chick Corea. Mm -hmm. Um, And he freaking loved like things like John Denver, too. But he definitely kind of got me into jazz. Grease those wheels. For the smooth side. And I'd say, like, the last big influence was um, radio. Mm. So you talked about WHB. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, KY-102 on Sunday nights did, so I'm like 10, 11, 12, like 6th, 7th grade. You're supposed to be in bed at 10. Sunday nights at 10 o'clock, I think it was the King Biscuit Flower Hour, Mm. like 10 to 11, which were live performances. I wasn't really so into that. And you can find all that stuff archived. Oh, cool. But from 11 to 12 was the Dr. Demento Demento, show. I knew, I, yes. Dude, I would be, I mean, I think about kids now with their cell phones, you know, hiding from their parents. I would, like, have all the lights off, under my covers, cheap, crummy, like, whatever. That I didn't have a Walkman. I don't, I don't even, I think I was just listening straight to the radio sure. lower. But I did get some, like, bad, like, foamy. Mm-hmm. And would be singing, like, like Weird Al before he was popular at all he like like the first song was um another one rides the bus yes which is also why i picked queen yeah and another comes on and yeah he, hey, he's gonna sit by you i mean just silly yeah. stuff fish heads um i just got a love for the radio yeah and so listening to like golden oldies cool on the am stations like you have a pop song from the 50s 60s or 70s i'm losing my memory a little bit these days but same it totally influenced me. yeah so
0: um so was there uh and not necessarily from your list but was there an album uh in particular that you first fell in love with or acquired to start your own collection Does, is any album in particular stand out
1: well i would say yeah america okay, i didn't okay. i didn't buy that album but i got their greatest hits yes that album is probably half of that album is on their greatest hits right. kind of like The cars right yeah um, That was for sure. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He did not have Deja Vu. He had the one... It's CSN. It's not Young. They're on the boat. Uh-huh. It may just be called Crosby, Stills, and I Matt, think it is. It has like, Just a song before I go... It's probably like 72 okay. later. So I definitely bought their first self-titled and Deja Vu because of that. Um... At that time, I was really, I was just, I would buy like the greatest hits sure, albums. Yeah. I wasn't buying the album proper. Yeah. And then later, yeah. I was like, well, wait a minute, this yeah. came from this album, and I bet there's some other good songs on right. there that I don't hear on the radio. Right. And started going down those wormholes. And then kind of like you, I just started to become a completist.
0: Yeah, I same. I got to I, get them all. I, from had, I don't care what it is. I My, you know, collection of greatest hits yep. and, and, and a few others that I, yeah. uh, studio records that I, you know, intentionally bought. Uh, and then it grew. And then, and I was like feeling my pride grow yeah. as my, yeah. cle- and then all of a sudden I was ashamed. Yeah. Like I got to get rid of all of these and I got to get all the studios yeah. by all the, you know. Yeah. And well, so, I keep them too. Well, I the greatest hits. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I'd take a handful up to Exile and get like, you know, uh, fly because on the would, wall or they'd something. they let you trade yeah, them yeah, in yeah.
1: Exile <clears throat> and recycle stuff. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, like Fleetwood Max, not first two, but two with Lindsay and Stevie the self-titled and sure. then Rumors, yeah, and the Eagles. That's totally from my dad. Yeah. Like I'm going to buy that on cassette or CD for myself. Yeah, so, yeah, for
0: sure. Uh, how about first show or or a show? There
1: were a couple, so I feel like first show was probably that Bob James and Earl Clue. That would have been like '82, my '81, like my seventh grade year, and my dad. And mom shared a condominium with like four other families in Colorado. And we Mm. had like these father-son ski trips. Yeah. And so we'd always hear in my dad's car or our good friend's, the Ogren's van, was Bob James. Mm. So they all kind of got indoctrinated. So we went to that Bob James and Earl Clue show. And then in Boy Scouts, that would have been eighth grade year, we went to go see... um, the ZZ Top Eliminator Tour. Oh my God. With Quiet Riot opening. Wow. And That was probably my first, like, rock and roll experience. I mean, just copious amounts of weed. Sure. I remember, like, you know, our scout leader or whatever. You know, he's with us, the dad. Maybe there were two dads and ten of us teenagers. And this dude in front of us just fires up a freaking hog leg. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. Right. And yeah. probably even got secondhand being right. that close. Yeah. So I consider that my first rock one, but again, I didn't choose that's, that. That's, I love that record
0: like with every fiber in my soul. Eliminator? Be, be, oh, yes. Quite right. Well, I mean, that was fun too. Yeah. Uh, a- mask. Oh yeah. With the one eye. Um, but again, in that same pocket, 82 to 85, <clears throat> I have MTV and oh, yeah. legs. And I was like, wait, what? What's going on here? And those, Oh, they totally those, capitalize those on Those girls, MTV. they weren't, like wearing anything yeah. particularly flashy like a denim jean yeah. skirt and a you know but i was like mes and then like i thought i thought they were cool as shit too they And then with the cool. car uh and so you know i was uh it's, it's funny i i just had a very recent uh rekindling with that record because um one of my what you know by the time you and i are done and then i do the edit like by the time i've gone through this conversation twice i am over it mm-hmm. and ready to move it's so a my favorite probably my favorite part of the whole process is picking what i'm going to put for intro and outro oh,
1: gotcha. audio yeah
0: and like it doesn't matter if it's uh under 10 sec. like i i always get hit with copyright yeah I, no flags yeah to date but um for for whatever reason I had, and it's, and it's always really weird how it winds up happening, but um, I did an interview with a musician, and uh, I had just remembered, which I often do, how much I love, love, love the musicianship and the lyrics of TV dinners, mm. which which yeah. just, yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, yeah. simple, Classic. and it shreds, yeah, and that, that video, it's still creepy and weird even mm-hmm. if it's outdated but anyway uh, and then Afterburner comes out and I'm like oh, that's, I, I love what you did with the the car being the ship now kind yeah. of Boston third stagey but you know some of the, uh, the slightly softer feel overall yeah. and more electronic um, and then you know Recycler with the uh, yeah. uh, and uh, a couple other but then even like Reese up until Billy's Passing, yeah. Uh, Netflix documentary. They're still touring like madmen. Yeah, that's what they've been doing, since and, and just putting a, and just fucking killing it with three of them. I love those guys. Yeah,
1: I, I liked that Eliminator record, but looking back on it now, I so prefer their earlier music. Of course, look around. I, I knew that just from the radio. Yeah, well. I will say probably the show that I like personally first said I'm going to go to a concert. That would have been. And a freshman year or sophomore year in high school, we went to go see uh, Psychedelic Furs mm. and Talk Talk. You know that band? Mm,
0: yes. They well, had
1: a big hit at that time, It's My Life. Yeah. and a previous yeah. album. But my, I had really gotten into, like you said, I was moving away from the classic rock and was really getting into what we called at that time new wave There wasn't even a name for it. Right. New wave music right. like The Cure, mm-hmm. Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. New Order, R.E.M., there was no alternative radio at that time Mm-mm. you you couldn't find these things it wasn't on the internet so you were kind of cool if you knew about somebody like right. the psychedelic furs
0: or if you like frequent lawrence you know yeah you kind of get a little bit of it on you and bring something back to right
1: you know right so those three would probably be my first real memories i saw ramsey lewis down at brush creek like high school or something they had free concerts hmm. out there they would do free shows down at uh, Crown Center in the ice skating rink yes actually saw America there okay I saw Three Dog Night there
0: I, th- I mean and <laughs> then great. Spirit Fest was around like we oh, would oh dude I saw we, Carlos
1: Santana we had our ci- high school
0: our city had like a run of like we're gonna put on mu- free music festivals yeah. for our citizens you know? they should and, and, and all the time like we're, we didn't make to money revive that
1: Liberty Memorial right They've tried to do it with that rock fest or whatever that yeah. turns into a mudslide, oh, yeah. but again, you just if, if I were running the city, and I do text the mayor occasionally, <laughs> who amazingly gets right back to me later, nice. about the need to make other businesses, the Chamber of Commerce aware of how much money a city makes off the music industry. They say for every dollar spent at a show, 50 more cents goes into an ancillary business whether it's the restaurant you ate dinner at beforehand whether it's the taxi or uber driver that brought you down there whether it's the pack of smokes you bought the convenience store before the show for every dollar spent 50 cents is going into so i got i gotta tell you go ahead take that money yeah Yeah, make a tourist fund yeah split it up between dance and theater and all the other incredible arts don't get me wrong yeah but like you should get behind the music because that's what you claim yourselves as in music city but actually you aren't putting your money and not need money from the city. Right. I want the city to help us get KCTV5 to do a weekly segment on all of the killer music that's happening around town. Sure. To bring people in, yeah. support that, the infrastructure,
0: help yeah. it help it flourish. Make it a tourist destination yeah. like um, other cities are doing. We uh, I went to uh, bluegrass in the bottoms like Yeah four or five years ago with my next door neighbors. And we, there was a big group of us. We hired this, uh, whatever Uber XL, one of the larger ones. And the dude comes to pick us up and, and I was like, Hey man, if there's a a spot that we drive past on the way, I want to grab a pack of black and milds. Mm -hmm. Can we, he's like, yeah, of course. And so we get on 71 and we get, you know, all we're almost there. And I was like, I guess he just forgot. Uh, or, was blowing me off in the first place but all of a sudden we pull into this gas station he like looks at me and he's like you need you want it i was like oh yeah perfect Mm -hmm. so i hop out and notice as i'm hopping out he's hopping out and i'm walking across the parking lot and he's walking across the parking lot and i'm like this is weird i go in a door he goes in a door and i go up to the counter and as i'm approaching the counter he goes through a side door to get behind the glass of the counter and comes around to the other side of the glass and goes what can i get for you man
2: i was (laughs) like what the oh hilarious <laughs>
0: it's like he's like a partner in that story. yeah yeah but um, oh wow anyway uh making money so, yeah so uh you gave me a fantastic list thank you for doing that um i hard question yeah i've heard uh uh i've had I actually had at least one person that was like a firm yes like bail like i don't want to do that if if and it's like what if you had to make a list yeah and so uh some i've heard uh it's like choosing your favorite kid uh i
1: just pick five get yeah, over it. it's not well, a big deal i was no gonna hold you to it i
0: run myself through the exercise if i and i was like oh easy no problem and then i spend 10 seconds and i'm like maybe i maybe it has to be a top 10 yeah. And then another 15 <laughs> seconds, and I'm like, top 20. And eventually, you reach a spot where you go, just fuck it. I got to pick That's five. Right, and, and these don't define me, but I love the shit out of them. Yep. So it's perfect. Um, I uh, was in a funky uh, time crunch situation. I usually like to uh, sit with the cans on t- to listen to all of, you know, the the records on your list sure sometimes uh i've got a something comes up and i've got to listen to a portion of one uh, on the road uh in which case i'm you know making trying to making jumbled notes at a stoplight in my phone sure Sure. to remember to write this down when you flesh it out sure uh in in this particular case uh one bob james 1974 uh i had to i had to mow like i I just skated by got for it. like two plus weeks, and like I had a win. I was like, I got a mow, but I really would rather be starting on Patrick. So anyway, I listened to this record, uh, Bob while James, I was, while I was cutting the grass. Okay, and so you know, I'm in a you know, there's a, a Zen sort of when you're mowing yeah um and with music on it's now it's like a whole horse of a different feather or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um and so i'm listening to this record and unbeknownst to me because i only uh like the first time i took my phone out of my pocket it was already on track five and so (laughs) so by the time i finished here was the thought um that's not the right oh i just i went out of order
1: damn it that's okay We'll do we'll do a little bit so of it. in general you're listening to every track.
0: I might not stay with the, the Got it. Tr- you know. Um I've
1: listened to probably ten of your episodes. I just oh, didn't know I didn't sure. know your I didn't okay. know your whole process okay. exactly. Okay. Um you know
0: there are um always going to be artists that present personal challenges. Yeah. For me. Uh, sure. for example, uh next week's episode has a record on it that is I just can't not digging it. just can't yeah. and 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 won't to be honest like i've got and it, it, it's not one that's available uh streaming so i the only way i could find it was full youtube and so i don't, I don't even have mm. like track distinction you know so i'm kind of just scooting forward and every time yeah. i scoot it's still just the same 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 and i'm like Fuck,
1: man not working
0: um that's okay anyway uh more on that in a minute uh so i'm i'm um thinking to myself man that first track on that uh, bob james record had me real skept that you know in my mind I'm thinking, I'm thinking i'm taking 3 minutes mm-hmm. i'm like <laughs> that had me skept and then no. track 2 was pretty cool track 3 was really cool Yeah. and then so by the time i'm done and showered and like i haven't i'm like oh shit that was a nine and a half minute opener like that was all one song and then we moved into yeah uh, sorry, different um but i never heard of this guy before uh before you gave me your list so i picked him um (laughs) third of 50 records yeah uh six tracks 34 minutes a christmas baby from Marshall, Missouri. Yes. Um, which I may or may not have been inside the courthouse of, the, of that fine, fine town okay. on, on an occasion. I think he's got the... a vineyard there. Does he really? He's got a vineyard somewhere okay. in Missouri. Okay. So 20-plus folks credited. Hmm. I mean, to me, it sounds like, you know, yeah, three to five, th- three for most tracks, and then two guest features. Yeah. You know? yeah. But there's a lot of folks on it. Yeah. Uh, this, this came from Dad uh cuz he had all his cassettes you said i believe
1: again i don't know um which was my entry point it was probably bob james 3 okay and i should try to i know we talked about it off air as i thought about records really to me the definition of a great record a truly great record is from start to finish there isn't any filler mm. i'm not saying tough, every i'm not saying ask. every song is like the best ever there's also a method to the madness. Like the track listing is super important to me, whether it's two songs back to back that are mellow, having up tempo, or different instrumentation. Like that. that's, and especially with the label now, thinking and, and listening to artists about their process, because sometimes we disagree. Mm. Well, I think that should be the album opener. That should be the first single. Of course. And we don't agree, and that's fine. Yeah. In general, we've never told an artist what to do we certainly will push back and say, I don't think that's going to be the right decision, but if you want to make money. Right. But anyway, I I think that there are other records of Bob's that had like the more recognizable songs of his that mm. maybe you would have heard. But for me, it felt important just like start to finish. And I'm also trying to remember... Um, was this he started to work with creed taylor mm. so creed taylor had worked with verve mm-hmm. and then and put out like some of the most important jazz works ever um before starting his own label which i think is cti i should i, I had notes which i was such a i seriously i had notes and didn't bring them i thought they were on my phone but i realized no i didn't bring them but i just thought it was such a statement for him to come out with that again opening track mm. without the shadows like that was not going to be commercially successful. Three minute song, Fuck 3 minute, minute song.
0: That's my opener.
1: I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And then Bob James, I wouldn't say he'd been a sideman, but he had contributed to countless other artists' records where you, once you start listening to his music, you're going to hear him on a Grover Washington record sure. or something like oh, that. Sure. That oh, that's got to be Bob James.
0: That list of 50 is like yeah. stuff that's listed as Bob James. There's a whole other, yeah. two or three other lists of I mean, where he features. Yeah. And so. so-
1: I don't know that this. My dad certainly has this, and I have his cassette now. I don't think this is the first one I heard, mm. and maybe it's not even necessarily the the one that got me. I just felt for your program. This was the one. It also had the cover "Feel Like Making Love," which I think he does a very interesting version of. Mm-hmm. It also has a cover "Night on Bald Mountain," which is basically like classical. Who is that composer? And it's just trippy. It sounds like da 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 da. He he was really involved in like that. Zach, what is that song? Zach Spurson. It's not two thousand one Space Odyssey.
0: Also, Sprok Zara Sutra.
1: Thank goodness you can pronounce it much better than I can possibly. My point is, he was showing a lot of his influences by taking this classical, traditional jazz, and actually, what I learned about Bob James is he was actually like an avant garde like bebop pianist when he started he started with like sarah vaughn okay and then he became most well known for basically inventing smooth jazz in my opinion with someone like earl clue maybe you could argue david sanborn a little bit later That mm. like the crusaders stuff mm-hmm, i'm not really mm-hmm. that into right but for me bob james with a couple of these songs too he was my entry point later into hip-hop
0: oh oh a lot of talk about influence and maybe some samples and
1: yeah if you google like what and i know we're talking about this record but if you google like what are the top 10 50 most sampled songs i believe he's got three in the top 10 not bad and you'd never in the top 10 hall of fame (laughs) so like um let me just take one that everyone will know real fast um uh, LL Cool J uses it, Run DMC uses it on, it's tricky. It's those steel drums, back to the steel drummer at Flying Horse Taproom. yeah dun, 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 dun. That's Bob James' version of Take Me to the Mardi Gras. Okay,
0: yep, yeah. Which is a groovy, yes. like,
1: smooth jazz, but it also has that beat. And then the other one, um, Nautilus. Like, I just cannot tell you how many songs that's been sampled in. So mm. later in college... High school after Beastie Boys, but around De La Soul time in college, I'd hear these hip hop songs and be like, "That's freaking Bob James. That's the nerdy guy my dad made me listen to back in the day with the Boy Scouts, you know." And now I'm realizing, like, "Holy cow! These DJs, these hip hop groups respected him." And I've always thought about hip hop as because so, originally and maybe still a lot of people say, "Oh, that they're stealing," you know, they're, "It's it's theft. They're taking the other artist's work." And I'm like,
0: "Or it's homage."
1: I look at it as poetry. Okay. It's exactly what it is to me. They're taking a piece, whether it's the instrumentation or the lyrics Mm. or whatever, and they're repurposing it to meet their vision. I've got... uh, What are you looking for?
0: Four or five mini spiral notebooks full of poetry Yeah, that I've written. Yeah. That, whatever, maybe someday I'll do something with. But, I mean, I know... And it's across... A Small handful of years, but I am dipping in and out of, like, or I, I should say, I'm uh, I, I'm writing all original stuff, but I am pe- peppering my lines with snippets of words and phrases from other writers. Sure, you are that, like, maybe one in a thousand people would go, oh, yeah, that's a catchy little JD Salinger line, or that's you yeah. know whatever. Like, I I I think. To me, it works great. I like doing you get that. It. I'm not. Uh, I didn't write that thinking if I include, you know, this LL Cool J uh, six word bar that, that that's going to springboard me into publication and and wealth. Yeah. That's, no, I'm saying like I love this the way this dude wrote or this gal wrote, and I want to throw. I, I'm going to mix up my own words, make it a little less vanilla and homage. You know.
1: And it's important to you, right? Yes. I think that's important for each artist. Yeah. What is the intent here? Are you wanting to get out in the public and sing a song? Are you wanting to create for yourself? Right. And you mentioned, you know, again, that De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, recently being, you know, put out on Digital Forces, streaming services. I feel like between that record and Beastie Boys' second Paul's Boutique, just the breadth and diversity of the samples they were pulling like yep. just stuff you would never imagine no, no some of it you recognized at the time mm-hmm. but it really more so over the years you'd be into some random place and the original song would come on you're like like i just discovered a song like three weeks ago that had a bob james sample. i'm like i've listened to that a million times and right. i never caught that right album. wow how did those guys know about it?
0: I've, I've mentioned this a bunch of times where i i sort of came online with it was uh digital underground sex packets and it was like that
1: was on my list I, I picked public enemy oh it. nice i, I, really I love that band
0: uh i was like i don't understand like i i listened to that thing over and over and over again with the liner notes and i was so confused as to okay so these are the guys in the band but like why are they saying Shit about Bootsy Collins and George Clinton. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, are they in the room? Or are they yeah. part of the. And then I was like, as I grew older and I'm hearing like some older funk and all, I'm yeah. like,
1: oh, there's. So- oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Well, what's the one they take Flashlight from almost directly? Yep. Yep. Um, I was just talking to a friend about that record the other day. Of course, Freaks in the Industry is one of the few mm-hmm. songs I can still almost do word for word. Brilliant. The one that really got me, we were talking about this Gutfest 89. God. And it's like the intro is like yeah. they're at some faux rock. Those two show. girls,
0: they're lying in a cage and naked. It's crazy. <laughs> We've
1: got the Who. Kirby yeah. <laughs> Hancock's up next. I'm like, these guys, Gutfest 89. Yeah. That's, that's genius to me. And in no way is that theft. And I get why, you know, the Turtles don't want De La Soul to use that song. Sure. I get it. Sure. Damn, but come on. Yeah. They're, they're bringing you more years to your art they're not stealing okay that's a whole other conversation Um, I'm trying to pull up this Bob James record and I'm not
0: well I could you know if you ever want to put out some content uh, with two middle-aged white guys embarrassing themselves, I could probably go toe-to-toe with you on Freaks of the Industry. <laughs> oh, money be. Um,
1: so, like I said, I went out of order uh, of release date. So, oh, that's fine. And uh, I, I actually, when I first did my put him in order, but then I'm like, whatever, right? So, and, and by the way, everybody, if you're listening, seriously, dig deep into Bob James. Do what I'm doing. Google most sampled songs ever. This guy comes back to Kansas City. Not often enough, and it's again—it's a crime we don't recognize him as a Missouri-born and bred. Right. I mean, right. he is. I saw him in Tokyo with my wife about a year before we moved back here, so that would have been a 2004. The Blue Note, mm. Yokohama. There's a Blue Note Tokyo and a Blue Note. I mean, they have them around the country. Right. It was Bob James. It was, I would say, an avant-garde saxophonist. And it was a turntablist, DJ Swift. Cool. He comes out wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. He's got to be 70 or something at that time. He's not that old, maybe 60. I so am desperate to have a recording of that night. It was oh like my the God. most incredible. That awesome. So he was playing some of his songs, but completely revamped version. I mean, it was creating music. It was improvisation at its finest with a turntablist. Wow. And then I saw most recently uh, there was a great program here called 12 O'Clock Jump that has now been discontinued, I'm pretty sure. They were recorded in several venues around Kansas City. Where was that? Uh, anyway, he came and played a traditional like piano set and had like, a QA and a with the audience and got to talk with him a little bit afterwards and recounted that story about Japan. Could not be a more humble human being. I mean, this guy's played with everybody he must have a fifty. Like I said, Vaughn. Wow, and still creating. Cool, just beautifulness. So if you haven't heard any of his music, you gotta well, know, hear about James. I,
0: that's a, for me. Uh, I've never listened to anything else by him, but that I really enjoyed. That and such a wild experience to uh, like you know sort of come to post mo and be like six track like yeah what oh yeah. Yeah. I, I I love. This is my opener. This is my format. This is my content. Yeah, it's my record.
1: It was usually about three songs aside. Okay, a couple long oh, ones. Oh, nice, nice. And like a little, little short and sweet one.
0: Well, that was uh, 1974. So we're gonna skip okay. a decade back to '64 uh, with a, a Verve uh, release. It's uh, Getz Gilberto. Mm. Uh, Stan Getz and. Um, uh, G- Joa
1: Gilberto. S- pronounce the
0: first name for me again. Again,
1: my Portuguese isn't great, but right. I think that's right. Joa. Joa, yes. Joa Gilberto. Okay.
0: Um, eight tracks, 33 minutes, three freaking Grammys. Yeah. Um, probably, I know there are more covers or more renditions of Girl from Ipanema." Of course. Out there. Of but course. I think this is the first one I ever heard. Yeah. And it wasn't like, uh, maybe, maybe somebody was trying to turn me onto these cats or this record, mm-hmm. but you know, wherever I've ventured rendition or cover wise of it since then, yeah, this is always home base for me. Yeah. And I think they, they wrote it right. Like, is yeah. It, okay. Um, so massive discography forgets mm-hmm. pretty large one for Gilberto. Mm-hmm. um, How'd this one land in your lap?
1: I I got turned on to this uh, when I was in Kazakhstan. So again, when we, oh. went, when we went over there, uh, I think we were allowed like two bags of 20 kilograms each. Okay. So like 45 pounds sure. and a carry-on. Nice. And you're going to go live there for two years. So, you know, you probably want to take some clothes and some toiletries you couldn't get. St- I had one bag that was cassettes, 250 cassettes. Didn't even have a player I never really even owned a walk in my life. I don't know how I was planning to play those. Figured out you get there, man. in the group of 50 volunteers, there were actually four from the Kansas City area, which is amazing. From all over the country, there were four. One of those guys, a great friend of mine, Ken Luckett, also brought a bag of about 200 CDs. And then there was another guy from Colorado that had... Uh, Uh, snowboard (laughs) (laughs) and a bag of about 200 cassettes. Nice. My friend, uh, Ken, was like blues, jazz, um, not so much rock and roll. And then my other friend was more like Dead Kennedys. Oh, wow. Punk, Mm -hmm. replacement stuff I was really into. So what did we do? We all traded cassettes. Of course. And we immediately bought a crappy but decent, nice one we could spend our no Peace Corps money on, dual cassette deck. Yeah. And we just started burning shit. Tried not to curse today for the kids. Uh, but anyway, Ken had this, and then another young lady that I loved over there had this, and I just went crazy. It's... Again, start to finish, uh, Antonio Carlos Jubim is probably considered the godfather of Bossa Nova, okay. along with, I would say, Joao Gilberto. Mm-hmm. Um, Joao was a pianist, a composer, and has just an amazing discography himself. I mean, I could spend days talking about him. But Gilberto was different for me because he had this very different sound and I could tell you like his whole life story, but basically he had all this talent and apparently he was a prodigious pot smoker in Brazil back in the day and was like just too lazy to show up for gigs. Oh boy. And so he kind of got shunned for a while. Oh boy. And he spent a year or two sort of in seclusion and he developed this strumming style style and delicate singing style where he was like so soft yeah. you had to strain your ear huh. to hear him
0: but it's, it still sounds great like
1: he'd sit in the bathroom yeah. and, like, and so he develops a style right and then he gets to gigging again and so those two sort of created this new sound bossa huh. nova it was okay. a time of great change in brazil economic prosperity some non-military dictators running the country for the first time we imagine these beautiful beaches and stuff like that and so Stan Getz, who already had been playing probably a decade and a half, if not two decades before that, realizes, hey, these guys are good, and I can see this becoming sort of a trend. And so I'm going to sit down with them and record this record. And and many other, Stan Getz partnered with a lot of other Brazilian artists. I'm also a huge fan of Brazilian music outside of Bossa Nova. Uh, I did a show with at Mark Manning a few months ago, I was like a guest DJ, and I just, did international music. Mm. And I talk all day about the different regional styles of music. Sure. But anyway, the story goes for that girl of Impenima was, for whatever reason, it wasn't working with Joa singing it. Some of it's instrumental. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they get Astrid Gilberto, Joa's first wife, mm-hmm. who knew a little, they wanted to have a song in English, with mm-hmm. some English, to have some crossover in the States.
0: Right. To sing that. Well, and she's looking back
1: on it now... Beautiful
0: voice, too. Freaking
1: brilliant. Oh, yeah. And really complimented his soft style, too, even though she wasn't a traditional singer. No. And she went on to a career, and I love her music. They split. He remarried his daughter, Bebel Gilberto. I mean, amazing family. Um, this record changed my life just in the fact that it was so soft. I mean, again, it made me... It was like that mom was... It made me want to go to Brazil. Yeah,
0: like I got I to say, like of course he his playing style is beautiful yeah the gets his work is beautiful the vocal but i love there's i don't know if it's the production or the way but even the way the sound of his fingers moving up and down the strings in between oh yeah the notes is like a different instrument like and and it works and i love it and it's gorgeous
1: and it may be Creed Taylor from Verve, who produced this. Okay. I don't okay. Know. We talked about Bob James before. Yeah. I, again, I I had my notes. It's really That's really embarrassing. Okay. I was going to mention a couple more things, too. Um, so many songs from this are now just jazz standards outside yes. of Osno. So desafinato, mm-hmm. which means off-key, and then think like Dave Brubeck, take five. They're experimenting with some different time signatures, kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. And then the other big one that you hear all the time is um, corcovado which translates as quiet nights of quiet stars. Right. And Corcovado is the name of that um, peak, like the humpback peak where that big old statue of Jesus is at. Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's some interesting history behind the record. Um, my wife and I, again, had the unbelievable privilege of seeing Joe Berto in uh, like 2004 when we were in Japan. I don't even know how I found these tickets. He rarely traveled. He, he just passed recently two years ago did he
0: really okay All i remember seeing is that he split with her and yeah. then and then at one point she maybe hooked up with gets mm-hmm. who i don't think was very cool to her yeah he
1: had a lot of relationships uh, he, a little uh, bit i know but, but it
0: seemed like there was a lot of infidelity kind of yeah. floating in and out yeah. of things
1: what, whatever different times. yep um but anyway we had a chance to see him so i i am got to believe he was a probably in his late 70s and not 80s, it was this massive music hall in Tokyo. I think it was 10,000 seats. Um, we were up top, not the worst seats, but not the best in the middle. And I'll just never forget this. Um, besides the fact that the acoustics in this place were just phenomenal. I mean, it'd be like the Kauffman Center on steroids. Oh, wow. That good. <laughs> um, people in general in Japan are pretty reserved and quiet, but he comes out. There's thunderous applause, right? And he's literally like hobbling out there, carrying his guitar, sits down at the, I can't remember if it was a stool or a chair. And they've recorded this. You can buy this album. Oh, cool. And proceeds to play for like an hour and a half straight. So quiet. Quiet nights, quiet stars. I'm total silence. No applause. He just runs, run into the other. He stops. He puts his head down. And I swear to God, for 15 minutes, I thought he was dead. Like, I thought he had, like, exhausted himself in a kill. He didn't move. He's just got his head down, and people are just going batshit crazy. Wow. Where? Tokyo. Okay, okay. 10,000 seat hall. At at whatever point, 15 minutes, it seemed like it was an hour. He raises his head. It's total silence again in the place. Like pin drop silence. Yeah. And he launches into another hour. Most incredible, one of the most incredible concerts. Brazilian
0: music in Japan. They're huge fans.
1: That's a whole other conversation. But I
0: mean, it's just uh, genre doesn't necessarily have to go in its country of origin or its culture of origin.
1: Think about like everywhere besides America. And I realized this when I lived in Kazakhstan. We don't really bring in international music here, right? We want to hear things in English. Now, we have country, and we got jazz, and we got hip-hop, and all these things. But in general, when you turn on the radio, it's in English. Yeah. So we're not listening to a French singer. Mm-mm. We're not listening to a song. In sp- Maybe in Spanish these days, kind of. Kind of. still, no. Kind of. If you're an island in Japan, or you're a closed country, or my wife's from Korea, same thing, kind of. Well, everything's from outside of your country. I mean, there are Japanese artists, don't get me wrong, in Korea. And you've seen the explosion in the last 20 years. But my point is, they don't differentiate between an ABBA song from Sweden and a song by Elvis Presley in America wow and a song from Joe Berto they're they're pulling it off. you would be a kid in a candy store in record stores over there I bet I mean days they love CDs all their CDs come with like the most incredible packaging all the lyrics and like a 20 page booklet in Japanese that goes all this geeky stuff we're talking about wow I have so many CDs from Japan that are like this thick the liner notes, and cheap like $2 used huh I mean, I brought back, I think, 500 CDs alone. Wow. It's out of control. So, yeah. And then they have stuff that we can't find here. They have stuff that's imported. They have the original uh, Portuguese Brazilian version imprint, which you'd pay like $50 in the States for.
0: I'm going to have to – you should – I can't remember the name. It's somewhere in the late 30s, early 40s, uh, episode-wise. And the guy's name is Tomaski. Tomaski he he did uh he didn't up and he had a cut he's he's lived in brazil for oh God, se- several chunks of years so he had a couple of uh at least one uh brazilian artists on his list yeah. and anyway
1: again i had originally picked queen the game which is personally yeah. just a massive influence on me from eighth grade but i just figured i wanted to get a little international i most of the music i listen to these days it's international okay cool to be honest probably 80 percent cool. nice i don't care what country
0: very nice uh was there you said there were a couple more things you wanted to say about that record did well, we that's cover just, okay
1: you can't go wrong with any oh show it's gorgeous yeah Gilberto, I'm not as big of a Stan Getz fan, actually. I mean I love him. But I, I, those other two, you can't go wrong with
0: I found that. uh that I was very much into what he was playing on the opener, and then by the near the end of the record I was like, More Gilberto, yeah. please. Yeah. But just me. I mean I you know
1: But again. Across the again the breadth of all his releases, Stan Gets, I mean, he plays with so many. Different right, people. it's kind of hard. Right. you hear his sound, kind of like Dave Brubeck.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or
1: Paul, sorry, Paul Desmond from Dave Brubeck, but he's versatile. Yes. So don't give up on him. Right.
0: Well, I want to move to number three, but I got to okay. pee and take take five. Yeah, you want to stop? Yeah.
1: All right. Okay.
0: So you keep me on a timeline, and yeah, I'll try I'll to limit
1: the side.
0: All right, now we're back to the chronological uh, release order. Uh, So we mistakenly started in 74, went backwards to 64. Now we're going forwards again. 1978, self-titled release, first of seven, The Cars. Nine tracks, 35 minutes. We talked briefly uh, before we were rolling um, about the track listing and how most tracks on this record are very well known by anybody who has spent any time in the classic rock camp Um, absolutely phenomenal record really um tell me about your introduction to this one slash love of it why it makes your list etc i
1: i'm sure i heard it on ky over the years what was our year again i feel like it was 79 78 yeah okay i would have guessed yeah 78 i'm sure i heard it on 102 uh and then when the Fox came aboard late 80s or something, heavy rotation, I consider them, you know, a new wave band. I right. don't fall into that, pop like rock. Devo, but just classic power pop. Like mm-hmm. coming out of like the Raspberries, again, listening mm-hmm. on AM radio. I think that first track, Good Times Roll, mm-hmm. sets the tone from tring, the start, tring, like an out. They are literally rolling yeah. into the record, yeah. very clever. And some of these probably have higher, like chart rankings and accolades like that. Like, just what I needed. I personally think that may be top five songs ever. That song will never get. Just what I needed? I don't mind you coming. Right. Yeah. Just that bass line, the drums. But then, you know, you've got it sandwiched in there with My Best Friend's Girl. It's a Mm -hmm. nice transition, kind of like that Queen record, crazy little thing called Love. Also, I am thinking of this in the traditional vinyl sense where. There is a start to side A and an end to side A. So You're All I've Got Tonight picks up on side B, rolling the bye-bye love. And, of course, I never really watched Fast Times until (laughs) maybe college. But moving in stereo, you know... That Phoebe scene. It just opens up your senses to... You are, like, floating with her. That's, again, the power of the visual with MTV that they hadn't quite capitalized on but would later with, like heartbeat city you mentioned which to me is a little poppy yeah um i just think it's a brilliant record if you look at the track lengths, like there we talked about bob james everything's under four Mm -hmm. side side two interesting all songs are just over four so i feel like they kind of went for the radio i don't know if Rico Kasich was thinking about that Um,
0: he was thinking about uh being naked with Paulina porskova or anybody right i'm sure
1: uh interestingly enough about right before the pandemic 2019 Todd Rundgren did a show at uh, Liberty Hall that Jim actually got VIP tickets for and one of the members of his band was Benjamin Orr who I did not recognize Uh, I thought I think all of them were incredible instrumentalists I love the songwriting structure the lyrics are relatable yep I I mean the album cover is so iconic you know you just want to be in the car with her or going wherever the hell she's going yeah
0: i guess they had a different idea for the
1: album art and
0: mm. somebody designed it and there was this whole bit about how he remembered it, it cost exactly eighty dollars and he was thrilled with it and then they went with that instead and i guess a couple or all the members grew to hate that this one yeah because just look that smile the girl looking back at you every oh time. really yeah
1: well candy O, I think was the one before that that had like since you're gone was the big hit but that's also an interesting. It's a woman and she's yep. kind of like sketched and kind of, yep. just, you know, they were smart about that. I think yeah. they were one of the first groups pre-MTV to really kind of capitalize on that or play sure. off of that. Um, Iconic band. Wish I had seen them. Had a chance.
0: Did Rick just recently pass here? And Did like,
1: he? I thought. Uh, he always looked like he was, you know, was on the an urge interesting of like wasting dude. away. Yeah. <laughs> he weighed like a 10 pounds, six foot whatever.
0: Always the shades and the sort of brunette version of Rod Stewart hair.
1: Yeah. Again, that that really is the only album for me. There's some songs on other records that I get into, but from start to finish, I just don't think you're really going to find a better record. You know, when you look at those years, sometimes when you like I mentioned my dad passed away recently and I uh made like a Spotify playlist for his celebration of life, like my mom, and I would just googled like you know top 10 hits of 1944, like what was he listening to when he was 12? I got to believe that for 78 this was one of those records that was just ubiquitous sure it was just september 15th never- 2019 oh when he passed yeah
0: and he was still married to paulina wow yeah he was married uh twice before that
1: and oh wow I did yeah i know that yeah huh?
0: suzanne from 71 to 88 okay constance from 63 to 71 so a good couple of good runs and then paulina for till the end okay I mean, R.I.P. in peace, as my buddy Ethan likes to say.
1: Well, we were talking about Joe Gilberto, too. I think that the pandemic, you know, a lot of people have passed. Even with my parents' case, like, we aren't aware of it as much just because things have kind of been shut down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would be notable for me that Rico Kasek packs, and I didn't know that. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Well, so if this is the best Cars record, uh, true or false, Drive is the best car song of all time.
1: (laughs) Dude. No offense to anyone out there. I'm a big karaoke fan uh-huh. uh, here in the States and then abroad. As I mentioned, if I had a music center, it would be heavily featured. Because in, in Japan, it's not like America where you like sign up for a song and wait all night. No, you rent a room, and you and four or five of your closest friends go together and order pizza or have a soda pop. And each everybody sings. Cool. It's your turn. Yeah. That song, Who's Gonna Drive You Home or Drive Technically... We used to go to this karaoke place, uh, Jay Corns, which was like a mm. converted Pizza Hut over there, off of like uh, it's over there by Shawnee Mission West. And there was this dude every Friday, like mine, and we were there every Friday. He would do this like, <laughs> "Who's gonna drive you?" Home? Oh, no. killed that song! For oh, me. No. Okay. I can't say I was a huge fan before. Oh, I love, I
0: absolutely. I mean, oh, god, so bad. Just the the synth. Stuff. Yeah, and I'm the, with that. The, the, lyrically, it's gorgeous. I'm with that. Uh, I, I I have always loved Rick's voice. Uh Actually, is the blonde dude sing that one, or does Rick? Is that sing Benjamin it? Orr? Maybe. Either Maybe. way, either way. Obviously, a huge departure from most everything else mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. But I mean, it's still freaking beautiful, man. I love that tune. Uh, I, but if know, it's, I, I didn't have I, that it is, experience,
1: this guy, we have, have made fun of this dude. Whatever his name is, guy. Hope he's still alive. He just. And he was so into it. Yep. But I'm like, dude, that's bad. Yeah. You just, you just ruined my night. Wow. Sorry.
0: Um, So a, a short leap uh, from 78 to 80,
1: Wild Planet. V52s.
0: Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Second record of seven, nine tracks, 34 minutes.
1: Talk to me about these guys. I was not into, you know, their hit. uh rock lobster off their first record which is probably my first exposure to the band mm-hmm. high school Again, sure. we were all we were called the new wave honeys at rockers because we didn't my group of friends we didn't listen to class i mean i listened to classic rock and i loved it i yeah. just wanted some new music so i heard that song and it's just kind of kitschy i didn't get it um and then when i got to college probably 88 so the year is you know what only eight years since the album was released I got into Wild Planet, Whammy. They had an EP called Mesopotamia. I want to say David Byrne produced that. Mm. I feel like that string of records, their self titled debut, Wild Planet, Whammy, and Mesopotamia, those albums changed my life. I mean, I listened to those from start to finish just constantly, and the other guys that I hung out with at that time. Wow. They were fun the 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 look i think was very important you know they had the the hair hairdos mm-hmm. and stuff
0: mm-hmm. big stage being, presence Being,
1: i wouldn't even say naive just being unaware of the gay community i didn't really associate that with fred schneider until the album that came out when i was in college that year um cosmic thing mm-hmm. which had their huge hits like love Sh- like mm-hmm. commercial radio yeah. hits again <sighs> very smart about mtv they mm-hmm. played that up um, I feel like those first four records from start to finish, I could have picked any one of them. Oh, wow. Equally. Okay. I looked at their first record. I felt like the second half wasn't as strong. Um, Party Out of Bounds just kind of gets the tempo set there from from around. Switching between Fred's lyrics versus the sister's lyrics yeah. was also learning about the tragedy of their brother passing. There was just a lot of like nerdiness, and I want to find out about them. Plus... Maybe the cherry on the top when I learned that they were from Athens, Georgia. Mm. At that time, so maybe we're 88, 89, I think it was a documentary called Athens GA, and it featured REM doing, um, they did a cover of the Everly Brothers Dream on there that I personally think is still one of their best songs ever. Cool. Groups like Pylon, who had a resurgence about three years ago. It just kind of documented the the scene going back to community versus industry yeah. in this college town like Lawrence that I was in, yep. and I felt like I want to go to Athens. <laughs> yeah, I want to find out where all this and and different musical styles too. Yeah, it wasn't like just one thing. And I was like, it it kind of got me listening to college radio a lot. Cool. Because again, this probably wasn't. On, I can't think of one song here that was on traditional radio mm-hmm. or commercial radio. But College Radio, KJHK and Lawrence, oh God, it was P52s all the time. There's other bands, R.E.M., Pylon, for example. Um, Moving to Raleigh, I got into Southern bands from North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, certainly Georgia. I just felt they sort of epitomized the geography, the time period, the fashion sense. It's cool these days, you know, on YouTube, you can just find so many. You can just go down wormholes, as you know, oh, yeah. forever. Old footage of some of these bands playing in you know, just random places doing these live performances. And I saw one recently of them doing um, Private Idaho. Uh, the last song again, on a record vinyl, Side A. Oh, my God. It's it's a poppy song on the record, but live, they just, it was edgy. It was nervy. Sure. It was like talking heads. It was like Jonathan Richmond. I felt some Velvet Underground in there. Which, oh. Again, like any Velvet Underground. Okay. Or Jonathan Richmond for that matter. Okay. I'm sold. Right. Um, and then I had a chance to see them twice in a three-month span when that Cosmic Thing came out. Once was in um, Kansas City. Was that Municipal? I have that ticket stub too I don't know if you keep your ticket stubs I do highly and it makes me sad these days when you get these e-tickets and things I still print them out, cut them I know it's not the same thing no it's like GA you know seat whatever two dollars so I have actually like special ticket books for that but I saw them here in Kansas City can't remember that was and then two months later after that show one of the gals we went with said hey my brother lives in normal Illinois at whatever Eastern Illinois University is there and there's gonna do another show there let's go those were back in the day so you just get in your car and drive four six eight hours to you don't even know where this town is middle of nowhere to go see your favorite yeah. band where are you
0: guys staying tonight don't know yet
1: no that was the conversation at about in the morning. we have a little bit of bud <laughs> yeah what Full are you tank doing tonight yeah. um I, we got here i don't yeah. really want to drive back to Kansas yeah. for lawrence yeah but my point is they did these old songs my first time to see them live and i felt like even though it had been whatever eight years since they were released. I still felt that same kind of energy. Cool. And then later they got more poppy, and yeah. commercial, and with a lot of bands. <laughs> well, did. they were
0: probably uh, an outfit that wasn't same set list every night. They were probably it, mixing perhaps. it up. Yeah, I mean, because if if you're if you're keeping it fresh and mix it like you you you're not like. Yeah. Uh, you know uh i just used this example on the last episode but night ranger going mm. to uh, the ozarks and just dreading I mean, yeah. you gotta play sister christian before the evenings that mm-hmm. uh, you know don't like, tell
1: me you love me yeah <laughs> hell yeah. yeah dude that's another one motor and but back to that last point though i think they were the first time i realized bands do this for a living because i remember looking okay they were in kansas city now they're going to denver they went west coast but now they're circling back and they're getting back to illinois and i'm like jesus christ they've been on the road they're for still like on the road yeah three months now
0: yeah
1: i mean grinding yeah and you know you mentioned
0: more- rem they had uh, their manager uh, they dropped out hmm. of school in athens and uh their manager was driving around in some blue van and they had like a two dollar a day per diem for food mm-hmm. a piece mm-hmm. but hey we're we're in this. This is what we're doing. Yeah, we're in this band. We're gonna, we're on the road. We're gigging.
1: Yeah, figure it out. You know, for me, Blair, that's still the only way to do it as an artist. You just simply have to get out. And I don't know that I could do that. It's not for everyone, right? But if you think people are going to notice you, um, I think about Radkey, great. I call them Kansas City, but I believe it's St. Joe where they're from. You just get out there so much that people can't help but notice you. And if it's someone who happens to be in a higher spot because of their experience or, I don't know, skills that sees what you have to offer and embraces you and then wants to take you out, then you just kind of become the next step of yep. that men- mentorship yep. is what I'd
0: call it. And the same uh, sort of structural thing is in place with stand-up comics, you know? Oh, I believe if it. you If Huge you're, now. you're uh, em- emceeing or hosting and, and then you, you, you've got three and a half minutes of material eventually now you've got 10 now you've got 15 and then you know you're out there gigging and doing putting in the work and then someday somebody's like dude you should whenever you have 20 minutes uh i'd like you to open for me right you know and it just keeps and then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're like dude i saw you the other night your five minutes that was killer you should you want to open for me you know and it's just sort of this uh giving back revolving kind of Anyway,
1: I believe it's better than any PR you can pay for. <clears throat> Absolutely. I don't necessarily believe in lucky breaks. I believe in you just make your own break because you're so active and productive and people Luck just finds can't... a way to
0: sprinkle itself in here and there. Yeah, but pe- you're the one cr- churning out
1: the Yeah, people can't help but notice you because yeah. you just you're just active. Yeah. Well,
0: um killer we...
1: record, get them all. Like I said, the first yeah. four cosmic thing I started to check out a little bit. It's kind of poppy in there. Yeah.
0: I remember the first time I heard them uh, and then heard them again and then heard them again. I was like, wait, this isn't a joke. Like these guys are for real. And then it's like, oh, mm. it's not just Rock Lobster and Love Shack. It's 100%. a whole 100%. thing for you. To, you want to lift the cover and look on the, you'll, 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 get, you'll get lost yeah. before you come out the other side.
1: And you're so right. Like I felt like Rock Lobster was kitschy mm-hmm. and maybe that was intentional. But then when I dig in and see like a video of private, like, you guys were, you were cutting edge. Yeah. You know, you were really pushing the envelope yeah. and even on like cosmic thing, they started talking about like, um, women empowerment, like house, mm. housework. I don't need a man to make me clean. Right. I need, to, no. To, anyway. Yeah. I don't need a man to do this. I need a man to help me clean. So they were, they were saying something on the surface. It seemed poppy and silly, but no, they were, they were substantial.
0: Well uh perhaps the perfect segue you mentioned uh uh cutting edge uh and 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 pushing the envelope 1988 takes mm. a nation a million to hold us back mm. public enemy two of 15 for them mm. uh i didn't realize they had put prolific out prolific and uh, still putting out great 16 tanks. tracks 57 minutes Rolling Stone called it a Molotov cocktail of nuclear scratching, gnarly minimalist electronics, and revolution rhyme, Mm. which I thought was Mm. that's pretty fitting. I in my uh, exhale, uh, exhale, exile um, peaches sound like. They were on. I don't remember how they hit my radar, but I got uh, Yo Bum Rush the show. Yeah, and I was like, I don't get it. Like they, it's th- a this harder. is this is kind of the Acme '88 mm-hmm. of the explosion mm-hmm. of rap and hip hop, and mm-hmm. like I will, I felt like I never heard of rap before, and then I woke up one morning and there was 150 artists to choose from. Yeah, and I was you mentioned some time in, in Oak Oaktown. I, I I love Too Short. I loved mm-hmm. NWA and EZE and, um, you know, went, went a bunch of different directions. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of checked out. Like, by the time I would listen to this and the two that came after it, was, uh, you know, it was way, they were, it, it, I, I was behind.
1: Fear of a Black Planet. Fear of a Black Planet one. and Phenomenal. then Apocalypse 91. 91. Fantastic um, record.
0: So. <laughs> Uh, Flavor Flav uh was always uh, at least for this one and for uh, Yo Bum Rush's show like, um, a, a very odd juxtaposition to put him next to Chuck D and Chuck D is like abrasive and in your face and he's he's serious about making music but he's serious about social issues and and equality and yeah. all these things and then Flavor Flav is just a lot. yeah boy you know mm-hmm. all of his wearing the clock. And it was like you know I remember a time where I was like well wow, Flavor Flav sure was a goofball back then and then he was on reality TV and I was yeah. like oh we haven't even seen the goofball right. outfit come out yet right. like
1: wow right but uh,
0: how did how did this one how did you cross paths with this one
1: It's interesting you brought up that Yo Bummers to show because I think my first exposure to hip hop was probably beastie boys license to ill mm-hmm. which i did not care for at mm. that time that's probably my sophomore junior in high school you know party for your i know travis kelsey i i don't like that song It's I, I don't like that song
0: it's strange that the last track on this is
1: and they're interesting about that i'll get to that in a okay sec, okay but I, I didn't care for that beastie boy song and a lot of that hip-hop that i heard at that time what's the Actually, I bought that at Peaches. I bought the cassette for Run DMC's "King of Rock," mm. which is the one before, the one where they broke through, and that name is escaping me. But it's just kind of formulaic. It's the same mechanized drum beat sound, mm-hmm. and there's a method to that. There's a style they're doing, but it's just kind of, it's not, it's not, um, it's not organic. It's not, it's not really speaking to me. Nope, not catchy. And so I heard that "Yo Bummers" to show at some point. I'm like, whatever, and then. Uh, when this came out, I'm junior year in college, and I'm starting to listen to more hip-hop, like De La Soul. Yep. I'm, I'm really into, like, um, what was the name of their group? Native Tongues. Native Tongues. Yeah, yeah. I was really into, like, intelligent lyrics, yes. clever samples, things that catch me off guard. Definitely, I mean, I got into NWA, but I was definitely not into that side as much. But what struck me about this was, as you mentioned first, again, the juxtaposition between Chuck and Flavor, and I can talk about that. But the, the thoughtfulness, like the countdown to Armageddon, mm. I realized again years later, that's a cool-in-the-gang sample mm. that they're pulling. It okay. took me like forever to know that. But it sounds familiar, like something I've heard. Kind of like the spoken word, it sounds like we're in a show, it's the British announcer or whatever. Bring the Noise, to me hip hop songs it's if it's not the best ever I mean it's gotta be my top handful sure too black too strong like the the positive embodiment of African Americans through that message the power that he brought with that Mm mm-hmm and then again, he just Flavor Flay kind of, I'm, yo, Chuck, what's yeah. going on? Tell me. And then this style <laughs> seems wild. That's another one I still can probably pretty bust out pretty well as an old white man. Mm-hmm. So heavy, right? Like, what is this? And then the Flavor flav. don't believe the hype. Not quite silly. Mm-hmm. I always thought about them like, and Chuck may have said this in an interview I've seen. I've read a lot of stuff about him. This is the 50th year the anniversary of the birth of hip-hop. I still don't know how they figured that out, what that date was. But the Black Creatures talked about this too. They have a lot of socially conscious songs. Um, If you're always talking about heavy material, it can get wearisome for the artist. And I don't think Jaden and Xavier were intentional about it, but I think Public Enemy might have been. If we're always talking about how screwed up everything is, it's just going to kind of wear people down. So we got to have a little levity, a little we got to do something to lighten the tone here. And so I don't say it's like Abbott and Costello, but we got to have kind of the serious guy and we got to have the guy to kind of be like, we're just having a party. Yeah. I know a lot of artists I respect. They want to talk about things and concerts openly. And I'm like, dude, and I look around, I'm like I'm listening to every word you say. I agree with every, I appreciate you. They're here to have fun. Yeah. They want to jump around. Yeah. So you got to kind of mix that in a little bit. Well,
0: the same uh, professor that from grad school that I re- referenced earlier, uh, he want, at one time, I think he was workshopping one of my pieces, um, talked about this notion of every piece of information you give the reader is a thing for them to carry in their shoulder bag up the hill, and the hill is your mm. story. Mm. And at some point, you, you got to be mindful of the fact that you can't give them too much because they're going to put it down mm. or they're not going to walk all the way to the top of the hill and see the other Too others. heavy. Yeah. So, Interesting. like, you know, you definitely need, I think, uh, Flav to balance out the seriousness of Chuck. For me, looking back now, like, Terminator X might be my favorite member of the group because there was some turntable lists and some scratching happening, yeah. but the good ones from this late eighties era really stand out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the rest of them either sort of remain inaudible or not, they don't, they're, they're not as skilled at their craft as some of them. Anyway, Excellent point. Uh, I th- I think he's, I think he's, Excellent point. And, I, and I think there was some personnel. I think he was out after a few records and some, somebody else. I don't, I don't know.
1: Professor Griff had some yes, issues. Yes. Um, that's a fascinating point, though, because again, I think I like De La Soul, there's mm-hmm. some cool scratches. I think a Jenny, it wasn't taking it to a level of art that I think Terminator X did, right? Um, and that, and I, and I'm way into, again, just DJs. Whether it's uh, DJ Spooky, Doctor Octagon, I mean, I'll go on and on forever of like people who scratch for a living. I told you about the Bob James show. I think that. Seeing them live at KU, I'm guessing that would have been 90. So the student union at the University of Kansas had shows. Not regularly, but I would say like two, three semester that the student union group, the students would, they have a budget and they mm-hmm. still do these things these days and they bring in artists. Yeah. And I had the chance to go see Public Enemy downstairs, kind of, I'd call it the ballroom, but that's not what it is. And I'll never forget just the way they entered the show. It was um the s1w's who were like their security force these guys holding like fake rifles like uzis walking in professor griff who i believe was kind of ousted for a while for some anti-semitic remarks Mm. and some other things he was sort of like their commander yeah so he'd be in the security brigade black power black panthers references that you're getting and then um terminator x would roll in and take his space behind the turntable at the back and then chuck flave would walk in and they literally parted the crowd at that show nice and i was like wow they aren't just whatever some rap dudes they've got a stage routine yeah so blown away yeah and then i contrasted that with i saw them i would guess it was maybe a year later and i have that ticket stub it was called the uh it wasn't the Endless Summer Tour, but Public Enemy headlined a tour at Kemper that included, yeah, because it would have been Welcome to the Terror Dome. It included um, Ice Cube, mm. Digital Underground, mm. Kid Play. Play. Do you remember that band? Of course. Kind of like Will Smith. The Racer oh, yeah. Fro. And there was a fifth artist, but um, that was totally different. Now we're not at a student union, but they still had the same setup and they adapted it for that set. Cool. And what was fascinating about that show, so we drove in from Lawrence to come to Kansas City for that. I'm guessing out of, let's just say 10,000 people there, maybe there were 20, 30 white people there. And for the first time really in my young life, I felt like this is a different environment. I'm not saying it was like bad or good or whatever, but like- It's different. I'm here. Yeah. And I need to kind of understand what's going on here so I can understand do I dance do I <laughs> the same way? Do I sh- sing the lyrics right. I don't want to sing? Yeah. Do I want to be that guy? You know, and. You're always going to be that guy that, to that, someone. It was an interesting night. And at the end of the night, driving back to Lawrence, we were all just like there's never going to be a better live band for us seeing them, tons of live shows they just brought energy without having any real live instrumentation cool. i think that was another big difference for me seeing an artist you know not play the tracks but basically everything was produced that way some outside but they were lyrically engaged physically engaged moving around the emotionally stage, and i could see how the audience reacted there was actually a huge brawl theme i was tonight. just yeah was a Sure. Lots of bad things happened later, unfortunately, to kind of mar that show. But for me still, it was just a super powerful experience. Like, I want to go see more hip-hop. I need to follow these guys for the rest of their time. And last point, as you mentioned, they have continued to release uh, prodigiously. They basically said to the system we're going to make our own label we're going to start putting things out on our own and we're going to go back and repurpose a lot of the songs that we did kind of like Taylor mm. so we Taylor's can have control
0: Chuck's version
1: and in a way of sampling we're going to self-reference either with song titles interpolated in a new fashion okay or lyrics are the same Beats that we used as an homage in a previous song, another way. They have kind of like the same sounds Mm.
0: 30 years later. Cool.
1: Same samples, and it's not stale. Right. It's like, holy cow, you played that on your very first show. Ezra
0: Pound, make it new. Exactly.
1: So, Louder Than a Bomb is another, I think, just masterpiece. Terminator X to the edge, that's just like a showcase. Can I get a show them what you got? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. from start to finish. There are a couple songs that maybe I could probably do without, but as a whole, it all works. I
0: mean, it's, uh, you know... For an hour. Every bit of an hour and 16 tracks, like, pretty ballsy, you know?
1: Which, I think, unlike the previous three records we've talked about, which were all originally released on a vinyl format, I think the rule we've always been told is, like... Each side should be no more than, let's say, 20, 21 minutes. So mm. total running like the 42, because mm-hmm. you start to compromise some of the sonic fidelity because the grooves can't keep that. I'm, I'm not an audiophile. Keep that. So in the CD era, when I don't have to be beholden to the 40-minute roughly structure, and I can put out a 60-minute or actually an 80-minute, I think it's the peak, well, they really played with that. We're gonna we're gonna put as much as we can get on sure. that thing, get people their money's worth, and get out more importantly what they wanted to say, right? And whatever art that they wanted to create. Yeah, these are smart people too. Yeah. by the way, I think all the artists we talked about—they're intelligent people. Not to say that most artists aren't intelligent people, yeah. but I mean, there's a lot of intentionality behind. I think what they were doing.
0: Well, uh, absolutely, there was, um, and I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but I I love it that uh, I'll probably never get tired of saying it, but. A number of folks um, have had Paul's Boutique, which you mentioned, on their list. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and there's a quote from Chuck D about that record mm. that says um, The secret amongst the black hip hop and rap, com- rap community at the time of that record's was l- release mm. was that that record had the sickest beats. of of anything that had Mm. come out you know kind of in that little window and i was like
1: dust brothers nice yeah 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 so they moved on from the rick rubin kind of run dmc formulated one Mm -hmm. no i love rick rubin right they explored yep and for my money ill communication uh
0: somebody somebody just put uh fight for your right to party on the radio and it it caught, but it's not by any stretch the strongest track on License Sale. There's oh, no. plenty of other great songs to oh. choose from if you were so inclined to pick a favorite or a top three. Yeah, yeah, you know, same yeah. Sweet Brooklyn. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes. Girls. Yeah. yeah. Rhyming and Steel. I mean, oh, Rhyming and Steel. Yeah. And, um, and then there again, we're going to sample Led Zeppelin. Yes. What in the world is that? Yeah.
0: You know, and also, you know,
1: like the, 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 those
0: crazy whatever they were doing for, uh, hadn't quite gotten to the, 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 deep end of recording new recording tricks like they would for physical graffiti. But for, uh, leds up and four, you know, the, the way that the, the drums sound for Levy, mm-hmm. like I, I was like, whoa, what is this? I've mm-hmm. never heard a drum kit sound like that before in my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that, they went right for it. And that sounds really yeah. cool. Plop, you know? Yeah. Um, very cool stuff. Uh, we should—you uh, you mentioned it briefly already, but uh, give a quick shout out to uh, Queen the Game because it was put in the in the lineup and then got yanked last minute.
1: Yeah, and, I'll say this: so eighth grade year eighty-two, student council is going to have like an end of the year dance party. cure of ours from my school. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, the cool—sorry. Yeah, I am in eighth grade the cool kid that supposedly had like the DJ lined up. Well, turns out the night of the party, he did not have the DJ lined up. Uh-oh. Fortunately, fortunately, I had one of those turntables that was like a suitcase. So it was like a big box and the speakers were on the side. And when you pulled out, open the suitcase, the turntable dropped down ah. and the speakers were on the side. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I packed my portable turntable and I brought five records. It was um, Journey Escape. And I've come to kind of loathe a couple songs on that record. I don't need to hear
0: really any Journey again for the rest of my life. I
1: like Journey again. Some of their early stuff is really great. Like okay. when the lights go down in the city. Mm. I mean, I want to bust out my lighter every time. Sure. That song just makes me weep. Uh,
0: that is a very good song. Um, uh, however, uh, don't, uh, don't stop believing. Like exactly, don't you put that on. You ruined it for me. Yeah, karaoke. Yeah. But well, then again, and then, but then Steve,
1: one love is pretty good. Won the Stone in Love is a okay anyway. So I had Journey Escape. I had Foreigner Four, okay. which also is a dynamite freaking record. Nice. I mean and I was I had bought a couple like their early albums at garage sales. I love that band at that time. Uh Sticks Paradise Theater, so I'm really dating myself. Queen the Game and then um Buckner and Garcia's Pac-Man Fever. Oh which my god. Was Dr. Domeno about 10 songs while I do the Donkey Kong and stuff. I, ha- I had it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, fro- there was a Frogger tune Fla- on there. Flock right? of
1: Seagulls got left at home, okay. unfortunately, okay. the self-titled. No, that, that Queen record, again, starts out with the op- the title track. Every It's just so weird and trippy, unlike yeah. the other stuff they had done. They were starting to kind of incorporate some different sounds. Another One Bites the Dust. One to of the me, best bass lines ever written. I mean, which is chic good times oh, good God, times yeah. which yeah. is blondie's rapture same baseline and another one so they which grandmaster flash captures all in the message
0: grandmaster flash and and uh gang i think furious five yeah i think that to me that's always that was a bridge the, well but that's always been the whoever figured out the 50 years i always thought the like right there that's that's the birthplace I, it's probably a couple years before that but i'm
1: no scholar right anyway I mean, different um crazy little thing called love mm, good Again, one. The Second so- side's a little weaker so that's why i didn't pick it like sail away sweet sister coming i mean they're okay but i guess what it was about queen that got me that album i spun so regularly and then about a year after college one of my cousins i was like dog sitting his my aunt's dogs and he had had a cds at home and he had like a night of the opera mm. news of the world we actually had them all on cd wow and i started to dive in deep besides the stuff on the greatest hits and i realized i just think they were a phenomenal band brian may was incredible uh, or still is, is still uh, i hope so Get yeah it. they they were just so good and I don't know. Uh, uh, I wish I had seen them live. I don't right. know that I ever actually had an opportunity. Right. But yeah, that just kind of that time period, mm. like you know, middle school going into high school. There's just some things that stick out. Yeah. And so my point is, so this student council party, mm. we had five records, and for the four hours of the night, we played those same five. I hey. played those same five records. And trust me, don't stop believing. And. Open arms and one love like filled the dance floor of the sixty kids eighth every time. Of matter course, How many times we yeah. played that song? Yeah, So I always remember that
0: record. Nice. Um, so we we spent a, a healthy amount of time talking center cut records. Um, we mentioned the Link Tree. Uh, right now, uh, the socials is just follow us on yeah. socials. That's the
1: main thing. We, uh,
0: we, we t- did we no we talked about the. I think we talked about this, the podcast on Spotify before we were rolling, but. Uh, Center Cuts. Is Center what it's Cut. Called. And there's Center upwards of 40 episodes, uh, we I, got believe, close to that, I believe. I believe. About a year and a half. It's But they're out there if you want to go give them a listen. Um,
1: and to kind of explain the premise of that, too, the idea was we were trying to answer the question what does the music industry need in Kansas City? Yes. A. And then B. Don't just complain about what it is. What are your proposals for solutions. solution and yeah we brought in venue owners record store owners and not just owners but people that work there other labels uh music media press here in kansas city a lot of the people we just mentioned mm-hmm. michelle bacon mm-hmm. chris agarian mark manning steve tulpana uh and stewart from records with merit and it's kind of like what you did with your show we ended up spending more time talking about the person's life what were you influenced by did your parents have records and then kind of the what does the industry need got pushed back after the two mm. or three hours okay but i'd highly recommend well
0: lucky lucky for me that's kind of what i'm i'm not yeah you know, let the tape roll yeah 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 let the ta- it's, like,
1: it's all i mean i am so appreciative and i am all of our guests if
0: i feel like whoever it is it doesn't matter uh if you come sit and and bs with me about a little bit about yourself and about some of your favorite music um and then later we've gone our separate ways we're back in our life and we come across a thing that i think kansas city needs to work on or uh it could be anything um and then maybe we connect yeah you reach out hey man uh i think it would be a good idea if or vice versa we know each other we've sat and and now i'm more motivated i think more motivated to uh, pitch in, give you a little time, uh, give you, uh, a plug or whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like we've, 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 we've had dinner together and now we're, now we're going on our second date, uh, sort of thing. But, um, so, so I know that there are the three prongs, which is, is put out music, uh, with local artists, Uh, issue stuff that either is a re-release uh buried treasure Mm -hmm. uh or 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 never uh never put out in the first place and then the music industry in kc yeah so that's the three-headed monster is there right now at this second like um uh, a sort of a a first you know uh front burner piece that you're working on or is it just those three things driving together
1: yeah, as I mentioned, too, um, the new artist development point, I think, was our initial thought. Mm-hmm. And there are just a lot of challenges involved in that, especially if you want to make money. Mm-hmm. And so, again, with limited time or more limited time these days and resources, I feel like our focus has been... We've been talking about and meeting with a lot of folks about either reissuing or putting out music from the last 10, 23 years that hasn't been released let's kind of close a deal on at least a couple of those in the next year. Okay. So I'd love to be able to put out a record before the end of this year. Cool. And that also kind of depends. In general, it's not a good idea to put a record out, I would say, after... Halloween. Even before, Blair September, like September, personally, because it's end of the year. School starts. Holidays. Started. Yeah. End of the year list. Grammy consideration, you want to go that deep. You kind of get mm. lost in the okay. shuffle. yeah. And you really want to go out and play a bunch of shows which you would need to do to promote a record in Rolling december the holiday, when it's yeah. freaking cold um so if we could put out one or two records in the next year and again there's a whole promotional strategy so that means you basically have everything done six months before it actually comes out because you start building yeah. and then six months after that to continue to promote i think that's an area a lot of artists forget about like once it's out you're not done right you're actually just getting yeah. started yeah but the music industry piece, though, is something that's really become important to me. Um, kind of like you just mentioned, like now that we've talked, let's let's support each other. If we can give shine of light on somebody a little bit extra, that's good. I have always had that, what's the cliche? Like, you know, lifting the rising tide lifts all boats or mm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I remember when we first started the label, you know, we only wanted to work with a handful. I only wanted to work with a handful of artists so I could be available to them. And I thought that, you know, we can't sign everybody. We can't work with everybody formally in Kansas City, but it doesn't mean we can't support them. So my right. initial thought was, I want to write a blog. Oh, cool. I want to, I want to go to shows and I want to write about it because there's not enough press here. Right. I want to do album reviews and I want to do previews because there's not enough press here. And Jim said, well, you know, but if we highlight such and such band, well then some other label will come and snap them up. And I thought that's true, but... We can't work with everybody. Right. So that's not a bad thing. That's good. That's putting out, uh, it's showing how much talent's here in Kansas yeah. City. So let's choose wisely. It doesn't mean we have to stop. And Jim's not saying let's don't support other people. So, this past six months of 2023, again, I've really focused my energies and we have on whatever we can do to help any artist that we feel a connection with, that we, of course, think is talented, working hard, creating beautiful art how can we help point people in the right direction to hear them, whether it's getting them a show, whether it's writing a review. I actually started a, uh, a workshop class last week that I want to talk to you about. It's the, I don't know what the acronym exactly stands for, it's like it's the Kansas Arts Industry Commission, but basically they are doing an eight week series where art critics can get insight from other art critics around the country. And it's not just music, film, Theater, dance, about writing about them, and, mm. and and getting the word out about whatever it may be in the state of Kansas. I live in Missouri, right? But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and just last weekend on Saturday, I did my first session. I missed the first one because of my uh, parents' funeral. But anyway, it was awesome. We had an hour long conversation with um, a young lady who does a lot of work. She's based in New Mexico, but working on all sorts of different events talking about like how to get the message out about your artist. the second half we were joined by a young man who uh, writes for essence i don't think he's the editor-in-chief exactly and just kind of pitching some of our ideas to them and then we had to like do a sample writing uh, oh wow so and i and so i reviewed the free state festival up in oh, lawrence fun and so we get feedback on that and then the next step after those eight weeks is then they send us out on the field to festivals where we are assigned to cover particular projects based off our interest. Like, I wouldn't do it about theater. I'd find it about music. They give us an opportunity to have our work then published in a a place where people are going to read our, our critiques. Sweet. And then potentially that could lead to paid or unpaid other opportunities. Right. And my point is, we, we just need more things like that. Yeah. There's some great organizations I want to just highlight real quickly here, doing great things. One is the um, Midwest Music Foundation. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that. I've
0: hit them up. I haven't gotten a reply from them yet about coming and doing this.
1: We'll make it happen. Okay. So okay. Ronda Line has been a guest. But on I our... think it,
0: I just a comment on a tweet. It wasn't like anything official.
1: I guess the tough part for a lot of people is they have full-time jobs. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. What they do in the music, I want to say industry, is really a labor of love. It, and they're busy, right? Exactly. And kind of like what we're doing these days almost at that at this point. But um, Rhonda Line um, was on our podcast. You can listen to her episode. Sandra Freeman. I mean, I can tell you about every single person, but those two ladies in particular, those two human beings, are just doing great things cool. to support the original intent was like artists' physical well being, health care services because as you mentioned it's not an easy life you've got late hours you're on the road yeah. your diet's bad all sorts of vices but now they've recently shifted during the pandemic a little bit more towards the mental health aspect cool so they offer a lot of services um midwest music foundation continues to do great things cool. in kansas city so check them out another organization um is the heartland song network okay this kind of came spawned out of the folk alliance i'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm again, doing incredible things here and around the world, to be honest. But um, they basically are trying to find ways to offer some of these practices, best practices with what teachers like to artists. Like, What's what's how do you get a contract? Like, what's a songwriting structure look like? How do you get involved in ASCAP so you can license your work, sync licensing? They're doing um, songwriter sessions in the morning. They're trying to involve younger people, older people, really, again, Taking the time to just put some of these structures in place and help developing and even much older artists. Um, Crossroads Music Fest is coming up. Bill Sundahl does a great job with that. Cool. It's always been a it's been a benefit the last few years for KKFI, great community radio station here. KKFI saves my life on Wednesdays. I (laughs) listen all day, and they're archived for a couple weeks. We talked about ninety point nine The Bridge. I believe is really the only radio station truly playing Kansas City music all the time, mm. every day. Incredible staff, um support so many artists. They've just finished their new station there. Um there's just got a beautiful new recording space there. Wow. Lots of things. Um the Mixmaster Conference, uh, which used to partner with Crossroads, I'll be on a panel in September up in Lawrence. Nick Carswell's done that for about ten years through his silly goose records, which is all these things. How do you go out on the road? How do you get bookings? How do you like uh, promote a record properly? How do you earn a living <laughs> there, there, again? I, I think we have a lot of puzzle pieces here in Kansas city and Lawrence. It's sort of like connecting and taking, we don't have the
0: box to look at, to figure out how like to, a
1: one-stop shopping almost. Yeah. How do, how do how does a how does a normal person in Johnson County, north of the river Raytown, find out what's happening on a Thursday night right. concert count. There are a lot of individuals and organizations doing things. I think our goal as a label is how do we put them together and then build, build off the thing, of that yeah so that very cool man. We represent the city, not to become Austin, no. but to truly give Kansas City its proper respect and make it an economic driver for our city. Sure, so that artists can stay here live here, have affordable housing, have health care, take a vacation occasionally once a year. You know what I I mean? I don't
0: remember the number. I wish I did because it would make me look more intelligent than I am. But you mentioned a little bit ago about um, the 50 cents Uh that goes into every dollar being spent on a a night out for music. Um, Somewhere I heard somebody say what they anticipated uh, the, the money going into businesses during the taylor swift run and i was like i mean of course like but until you you know hear it uh, spoken from a a quasi reliable source it's like yo like more of that please because our you know there are a lot of great things about the city but there's also a lot of things about the city that could be greater than they are
1: Absolutely. And I know a lot of people have um, openly expressed their dissatisfaction on social media about the NFL draft Mm. and how that did or didn't impact our city economically. And my thought was, they're not going to come here to go to other businesses and buy your clothes or your food. They're going to Union Station for the draft. On the other hand, a major international artist like Taylor Swift... People are coming in town for the day, for the weekend, for both shows, and they are going to get a bite to eat somewhere else before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if Kansas I think people City,
0: are out spending money for the draft too, I do too. Anybody just, is complaining about that? I don't. I'm not familiar enough to know why you would complain about that. Yeah,
1: but. I, I do too. But it has been noted by many people that I trust and respect that. In a lot of ways, Kansas City is still a flyover place as far as national touring acts. And then we don't get a lot of shows that St. Louis gets, for example. What St. Louis got that we don't have. That these days, Tulsa, Oklahoma gets that we don't get. Or someplace or like Or OKC. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what are we missing here? Like, I, I look at some of these festivals in other neighboring cities, like the ones I just mentioned, Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm like, you got so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? And we can't get one of those here? I, even, I, I told you I'm going to Jeff Tweedy tomorrow. The last time he was here solo 10 years ago, he kicked off his tour here. He went from here to Denver and then basically West Coast. And people were like, well, why would he start his... From the star, Ryder said, why would he choose to start in Kansas City? Was it like a test run? Like if he was no good or something? And I thought, no, the question you should be asking is why aren't artists uh, starting Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson started the Victory Tour. Here, yeah. Or Jackson 5, whatever. Yeah. Like... This is a great location because yeah. you can go any direction. Yeah. And there are great production companies like Mammoth, for example. Yep. Um, I just encourage all of you to dive in deep to your local, whether it's Kansas City or Lawrence. Again, I mentioned Fali Afani, I Heart Local Music, doing great things there. Cool. She really shines a light on a lot of stuff. And she asks those kind of tough questions like, why isn't Lawrence getting this artist? Or is Lawrence getting this that won't go to Kansas City? You know? Hmm. So, yeah. Just educate yourself. Yeah. Support artists, uh, especially when money goes directly into their pockets and not record labels, which doesn't happen very often. Right. Um, Follow them on social media. Follow all these organizations. If you know someone that has a business or has a private event where they need someone, no offense to those cover bands around there. Get some of our generative artists, whether it's hip hop or speed metal or whatever it is that floats your boat. Right. Yeah, appreciate um, all that you're doing too of course by the uh, way Blake. I,
0: uh, I, we need to get you out of here but I have uh, five five hokey
1: I, I'm questions. I, I was ready okay had all to right. get that little plug in for some of yeah our yeah comrades alright
0: so you can visit your past self at any age what age are you choosing and what are you saying
1: so not music related yeah I knew that um Man, I love that middle school age that I teach. I just love adolescence. So I'm going to say seventh grade mm. before you're jaded in eighth grade and think you know everything. Right. But past being naive in sixth grade. Right. I'm a little green but pure. Very well said. Um, open your eyes and don't be so quick to judge. Mm. Have some empathy. Mm. Absolutely. Something I learned much later in life take a step back from the kid who's getting teased by the other kids for no reason and either you blindly sit there and allow that to happen or even join. Yeah. I don't want to.
0: We've we've told our daughter uh, that uh, if there's ever any uh, exclusive, you know, behavior or picking on or bullying or whatever you, whatever you want to call it, if you're sitting there silent not saying stop that, yeah. it's just as bad as being the
1: person that's yeah. doing it. Be an ally. Yeah. And be an active ally. Uh,
0: Please complete. The world would immediately become a better place to live, uh, if only.
1: No guns. No guns. Easy. Love it. (laughs) They're bad. Um, There's no good... It's like cigarettes. There's no good outcome. (laughs) There's no good outcome. Don't give teachers guns. It's not making school safer. So... Sorry, I, I, I don't
0: need you to answer this because you have already. But I just—I I told you it was in there. You mentioned artists in the area and the bio of uh, uh, Center Cut Radio. Or, I'm sorry, Center Cut Records speaks to this idea of a sort of unification of talents and respect. What's the Kansas City arts and entertainment scene's biggest need currently? I think we've touched on it a bit. I'm going
1: to say just yeah, media. Press, written word and way to get it out to the masses. I mean, another example is like Spotify, for example. Again, Chris Agarian, who I have just so much respect for at the bridge. And then Paul Chandler, who's kind of started a new laser station, which was big in Lawrence back in the day, both recently had posts about, like, when you go to Spotify, there's no way to search by location. Mm. So if I'm a green person from whatever suburb or keep keeps starting to diss Johnson County, but I want to know, like, who should I know about in Kansas City? There's no central mm. holding place. In Interesting. Media, I mean, sorry. Streaming is good. How could we make a way to... Include a 100 artists from Kansas City, all different genres, and we just start there. And now... We can't have everybody, but how do we just keep sure. growing that? Sure. So awareness, and I specifically think it's through the press.
0: Somebody needs to make a local Kansas City artist playlist.
1: I'll yeah, t- and we've dabbled with it a little bit with the label. Mm. Um I don't. I mean, I do stream, but I'm. I yeah. listen to CDs yeah. and records and.
0: Um, lunch with anyone, dead or alive? Who and why?
1: You know, you make those desert island lists. Yep. I was just telling my son the other day about like to be in London or whatever. Back with the Beatles would be phenomenal. Um, anyone? Is this the same question you always ask? I, I, I mi- should have been prepared for I this. I mix thing. it up a little bit. Yeah. I saying, I don't there's think some
0: I'm... repeats. Yeah.
1: Um. Man. I would pick someone alive probably. Like Chuck D would be fascinating. Oh, cool. I'm really into um, social... I don't want to call him philosophers. Somebody like Noam Chomsky, mm. I think, is just a jedi not to keep focusing on men here but um my son and i i I love george carlin okay if i could sit down for an hour and just listen to him dissect culture in such a concise but detailed way yeah that dude i like humor absolutely people that lighten it up a little bit when things are so freaking depressing yeah god i know
0: Uh, tomorrow morning, you discover that you are uh, the proud recipient of $85 million. What's your first move?
1: Take a day off <laughs> and figure out what I'm going to do. I don't know. There you go. I, I love mean, it. Certainly, probably have a party or yeah. something. But, yeah. um, um, save the planet. I mean, invest in good causes. But yeah, I think we work way too hard in this country. We talked about Japan before. America surpassed number of hours worked you know per capita or whatever that term is several years ago Japan Mm. we work way too hard we have no holidays we have like seven total holidays for the year I mean I just take a little time I think we don't take enough time to reflect in our lives because we don't have time to reflect Right. you know what I mean yeah what would you do 85 million that's Um, 20
0: for a sec pay pay, pay off the house that's my very you know first like eliminate like that takes up uh bandwidth you sure. know up here like sure like eliminating space that's yeah uh, you know I opens up a lot of other things you gotta pay your property tax whatever that it's going up but i'm not i'm not carrying it morning noon and night like yeah, oh, yeah. just this this you know the cloud yeah. uh, the rain cloud just yeah. anyway I hear you. um um patrick spray Center Cut Records, uh, Instagram,
1: Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, we have a Twitter page, but I'm just not active. Sure. I can only That's do two. Fair. Well, I you do can do
0: ones. one of those uh, Hoot Suite or something where you post on one and it goes to the rest of them. I don't know. I
1: don't follow that practice. I've, I've heard that it doesn't lead to a I don't good. like
0: it. I don't do it. I yeah. intentionally...
1: Separate posts.
0: And, you know, even for this, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I'll... I'll I'll tweet about it and I'll, I'll put in it when a new episode is out on Thursdays uh, and I'll do it. But I, you know, there's some details that are going to be the same cause yeah. it's you and it's your list. And yeah. so, but it's not going to be the same. And on, and generally speaking, podcast aside, uh, just for personal, you know, I'm, I'm different in all three because there's too, too many people that I follow that like, you know, the doom scrolling that I spoke of, uh, you know, it's like, man, I don't want to see your same fucking post in three spots. Yeah, I hear you. Mix it up a little bit.
1: But, again, being very new to social media, the way I look at it is Facebook's for old people like me. Mm -hmm. Instagram's probably for my 30, 35, maybe 40-year-old crowd. Sure. Twitter is for my son's age, but he's getting disenchanted with that, 19. And then, of course, you've got TikTok for the youth that's now being sort of copied by these YouTube shorts and other things for older. Instagram Reels. I always tell artists you you can't avoid it and actually you should use it because it's free yeah it's just time of your day yeah so pick two that you feel suit you best yeah i just don't post the same thing i mean i don't post and share that across those platforms because i just feel like it's getting more reach and based off our massive reach of like you know 10 people <laughs> it's really been effective layer so you have 10 yeah you know, um, you know whatever. do whatever you want to do there are no rules out there you, you we
0: were we were done until you said that and it threw another one into my into my brain true or false Mm. it is okay and acceptable to wear the t-shirt of the band at the concert you're attending
1: i'm going to jeff tweedy tomorrow i keep talking about that i have the shirt that i have the poster of in my room from 10 years ago and i'm going to be freaking sporting that shirt Hopefully, sitting front row again for his concert. It, it,
0: it's a Jeff Tweedy shirt.
1: Oh yeah, he's got like a sombrero. Okay, and it's okay. really cool. It's in okay. Spanish. All right. If if he calls me out, sure, he will totally make my day. Sure. In general, no. Okay. Or at least let's put it this way: not day of show purchase. Like I'm not going to the show. I would argue the opposite. Oh, so if you got it, you're if represented you bought it there, there and you want to throw okay. it on, go for it. Okay. But repin.
0: But we are all at almost all of us probably 99% of us are at Jeff Tweedy because we're Jeff Tweedy fans this yes. is your opportunity to show me what else you're into man yeah you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you to know wear a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if he
1: notices to. that shirt so I'm going to have that person open for me next time yeah. who, right, who is that guy right exactly you know we got to support that's a tough one. I will say this at my age, too. Like, my concert T-shirt selection, I just cannot throw things away. But these last few years, pandemic, I'm starting it to, like... It is.
0: The struggle is real. I've had that
1: Hoodoo Guru since the Shadow Show in 91. Yeah. I wear it once every 10 years. I, I probably don't need this. Yeah. That Elvis Costello shirt from Exile Records. My Grey
0: Boy All-Star shirt that I'm wearing right now is probably 15 years old, and I never once knew to turn...
2: Oh, shirt that's right.
0: Inside out. <laughs> and so it's just fucked, but I'm like, tough. I'm yeah. still, I love yeah. those guys. So yeah.
1: thank you, man. Appreciate um, it. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you. I know it's a lot of work, man. Once a week, that that's a grind. And I it don't is know how a grind. Much time it is besides the three, four hours we just spent yeah. to edit. Plus, you're doing video. Yep. Um, hope that turns out well. <laughs> just saying, like, people. You got to start somewhere, right? You're yeah. And keep building, and yeah. I hope that in some way, I center cut can help connect you with sure. more people doing a lot of similar things, and we just continue to rise those raise those boats.
0: I, absolutely, I love it. I love the whole uh, root system of of support and growth and love that you've kind of touched on in everything that you've said tonight so i'm glad that you're doing what you're doing appreciate hopefully it. uh i can do something to help you at some point down the road or an artist or right whatever um but seriously i appreciate you being here did
1: you guys see these handwritten notes by the way <laughs> i need to give blair some props <laughs> it's, too. Ju- like, it's just, it, just not track it. listing and runtime well right? no well it takes time man well you print at, something every
0: out, but it, keep going you come across uh, 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 the occasional gem like uh, and uh, John some
1: Center cut stuff. John
0: what? There, uh, one more, one more.
1: George Bertos. So no, let's, go let's one. Getting the proper look though. There you go.
0: There you go. There, Bob James. Bob James. You come across the occasional gem that's got it there for you, and you're like, "Hey, freebie." Yeah. Now, yeah. granted, uh, I overlooked the fact that uh, runtime is not on there for the, for each of those tracks. Um, I know
1: what they. Are. I looked it up though. Again, well, they're all long. Again, I love all the Almar work. Thanks for pr- taking the time to pull this all out. Do of your course. homework. Yeah. I did not bring my notes, but you didn't need them.
0: I mean, you you, you got to it be all up there,
1: right? To be determined. Thanks, man. Okay, best wishes. All right, see. Ya. Take care. <music>